0: Serum Visions is a Magic the Gathering podcast about iterative brewing. Each episode, we work on a project, a deck, strategy, or archetype that we think has room for exploration and brew to the fringes of competitive deck building. In this episode, we check in with Dr. Combo to see how things have been going with Grinding Breach, a deck that was showing so much promise, After that, we'll weave a tale of wonder and woe as we dive into a brew that has all the best stuff. Lots of cantrips, crazy lines with graveyard recursion, and a 10-10 beat stick that you can cast for free. Have a sip of your Blink Moth tonic and open your third eye. This is Serious Visions. Episode 14 of the Serum Visions podcast, coming to you from the lobby of Urza's Power Plant. I am one of your hosts, Brian Madden. Joining me on the line is the only man to ever have finished the beverage in the ever-flowing chalice, Zach Ryle. How are you, Zach?
1: It's a, is a big gulp, and I think it, it really hit me hard because uh, I'm, I'm feeling that, uh, that daylight savings time this morning, man. It's uh, <laughs> lousy farmers. I can't yep. believe we're still dealing with this crap.
0: Can we please get rid of it? Did So there's some wild statistics. Um, car accidents, heart attacks, yeah, yeah. all sorts of stuff yeah. goes up the Monday after.
1: Yeah, exactly. And 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 more to the point, my, my criticism about farmers is not even accurate. It's not the farmers. It was, uh, I think it was a World War II era measure. It just had to do with uh, saving energy. And it just doesn't make any sense. The worst part about it is for any international people, that There's a whole bunch of places that just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Apparently in Australia, there are literally like side-by-side regions where one does daylight savings, the other one doesn't. And so it gets like super messed up where like sometimes the time difference is two hours and sometimes it's one.
0: I think we have that <laughs> it's it's here in the U.S. too. I, I'm i pretty sure that somewhere in Arizona, it might even just be like one city in Arizona. It's just <laughs> just like, nope, no, just we're like, not doing nah. that.
1: All of us are just tagging. I wish I wish that was an option for more things with your country. Just like your one city goes like, listen, I know you all think this is a good idea, but we're going to provide health care to our citizens and uh, have a corresponding tax rate. And uh, you can just deal you can just deal with that. Low blow. This is America <laughs> where we have the freedom to die in peace. <laughs> well, um preemptive thing for the the bumps because uh, i gotta say that the biggest thing that's blossoming in my chest right now is my grandmother got the the first uh vaccine shot yesterday so that's super super exciting that Ooh, is fantastic on my, some of the rest of my family's going next week um so uh it's 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 real and uh i'll let you introduce our other guy here because he's got exciting news for himself all
0: right Also joining us is a man who can copy any creature in his graveyard, enables Mox Amber, and surveils one when he enters the battlefield. Rune Singh. How are you, Rune?
2: I'm doing very well, you know, definitely a little tired. uh, You know, Daylight Savings Time, like we all said, not my favorite thing. On the topic of Daylight Savings Time, you know, actually, Brian, your state, California, is the one dropping the ball... The West Coast is trying to get rid of it. Oregon and Washington have actually passed it in their state legislatures that we want to get rid of it. But because Oregon, Washington, and California are all on the West Coast time, uh, you know, we need you to do it. And California has the bill in its legislature, but it's stalled right now. Uh, So, you know, you can only blame yourself. Sorry, Brian.
1: I will
0: will start a letter writing campaign for you.
1: I was going to say, what you say is contact your congressman. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Absolutely. And
2: yell at them about... uh, this but otherwise you know things are going very well you know it's also kind of on the vaccine thing i get to play some paper magic uh a little bit after we record this podcast today with faithless family member Ilsig nasty uh who Ugh. we're both we both have Chills. now we both now have had both shots of the vaccine so we're gonna go to mark's boarding house and we're gonna you know like chill and maybe have a drink and have a snack and the cdc says it's kosher for fully vaccinated people to be in a small room without a mask on that's very exciting
1: unofficial uh mascot of the mana symbol channel ill sick nasty
2: oh yeah who had a sick five zero with the crazy giants list who on arena deck list jerry and brian were trying to uncover what it was what it was about and they were like missing everything <laughs> <It
1: was great. laughs> that's awesome they uh yeah they they definitely uh, have uh interesting takes sometimes on these wacky deck lists it was so good I
2: mean, they, I- they were just clueless
0: I think that there's there's a couple layers here. One is that um, good players can oftentimes 5 with just about anything. But more to the point, I think that this just illustrates that, you know, sometimes we get really uh, narrow-minded in our thinking. And I know I do this, you know, myself even. You get focused around certain cards or certain archetypes, and, and if that's what you're good at or, like, that's what is repeatedly good, it's kind of hard to see outside of that box so i i love it when pros and really competent players like that see a list and are just kind of scratching their heads for a little bit
1: and uh, yeah but I, I don't get it what the, <laughs> what, <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: you know sometimes it just takes some um, some outside the box thinking you know fresh eyes to to really you know come up with a new archetype or or discover something or put some things together and
1: that's that's what Bruin's all about yeah and speaking of Outside the box thinking. Uh, apparently, yesterday's Modern Challenge finals. So that's uh, March thirteenth, twenty twenty-one. We don't have the uh, full readout yet, but it was reported to me. I'm reporting this right now that the finals was uh, Timu on Boilproof Kiki Twin. I'm gonna call it Kiki Twin uh, versus TSP Yndrick on. I assume Esper because that's basically the only thing he's been playing in challenges recently. So that's pretty exciting. Um, because, as you guys both know, uh, these these decks are not something that you would expect to run into in a queue necessarily. Or if you did, you'd expect to see them get run over <laughs> in every other match they play. Definitely.
2: I mean, you know, like, Esper, like, Snapcaster is really freaking good. I cannot tell you how often that card has just been trouncing me recently. It,
1: it is if you pile on removal, yeah, and like uh, cheap counter magic.
2: Like, Snap, yeah. Path, Snap, Path, Snap, Path. Or path, snap yeah. path. It's just like, Fatal well, push. my unearths look pretty silly. I've got a bunch of lands, but now I'm going to draw nothing because that's how this game works.
0: Well, yeah. I, you know, it actually doesn't surprise me a whole lot that we're seeing Esper. Um, I ran into it a number of times, and, you know, it turns out that Kaya's Guile card is super good. And the Kaya Orzov Usurper is
1: also really yeah. well positioned yeah. right now. Yeah. And so. and on top of that, you get to uh, run Fatal Push as your removal spell of choice, but with yep. still having the option of exile-based removal, which um, you know the, the 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 obvious tension between run, wanting to run uh, blue-white control and blue-black control is is the combination of answers that you get from your secondary color, with the primary color pretty much always being blue, and um, and he's just opted for both, and then you get some uh, some cards that uh, neither neither one could do alone. Um, But, in the world of last weekend, uh, so we had the the Modern Showcase Challenge on March 6th, and uh, I think I speak for many, many people when I say I was super excited to see that Canadian Ninja won that with Niv Delight. Um, I mean, that's just, yeah, that's a big deal. Um, So, congratulations to Faithless Brewing for having launched the uh, boat that uh did so much and uh jiggy i know you were responsible for some of the early development of that deck and uh how does it see how does it feel to see your baby boy flying high
2: again oh yeah i mean you know i don't think niv is ever like if you just look at a niv like these 80 card niv deck lists are just like four renin six four to fairy four kai's guile four lightning helix four bring to light four omnath it's just like there's no way this deck is ever bad, you know. The only time Nib really loses is when your mana screws you over, because otherwise all your answer, like you get like four Assassins' Trophy, some of these lists, so you mm. you can just like answer literally every permanent on for Utopia Sprawl, like it's, it's just insane. Uh, so I'm not super surprised, you know. I think actually, I think Nib has, you know kind of been underplayed, like while while it was bet while it was while actually it was legal. I think you could it was pretty easy to make. I mean, Nib was actually the best deck, and people weren't playing it enough. But it, it, it feels well. And, it feels sweet to see it, you know. I'm, once again, I'm not surprised, but I do I do love these lists that just go super ham on the life game.
1: Yeah, and to that point, I mean, um, when when astro was legal, I think a lot of people just stayed away from it for whatever reasons—some kind of prejudice against the list or uh, playing five colors or wh- whatever it was. Um, at the time, it was it was probably statistically provable that the um, the four color control deck was just a better version of it, and it definitely had a had the edge in that matchup. So I would assume. The four-color euro piles were just probably um, better at doing what what Niv or similar to doing at doing what Niv does, but um, better in the heads-up. But there was that one uh, huge SCG event or whatever it was that happened online, which ended up with a double nib mm-hmm. in the finals. So that was like, there's definitely been times when it's been well positioned. And here we, we have found another one because the metagame at large is, I'm not going to say it's all aggressive because as this top eight will show you, that's hundred percent not true, but what it is is very creature focused, And even among the very aggressive decks, almost every single one of them is very creature heavy. And without um, having their creatures go either undisrupted or or playing into the the combat step, um, they don't do as well. So what what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, the top eight here, uh, other than Niv to Light, we've got uh, Amulet Titan in second. Heliod Company in third and fourth. um, Burn, this is a classic Burn, uh, Boros Burn in fifth. Is it Bliss in sixth? um, White Green Death and Taxes, Respect the Cat, longtime player of that, in seventh. And another Heliod Company in eighth. Um, so what I mean is this, this, the format, even the burn deck, which I would say is the least creature focused of all of these ones, um, or amulet Titan, depending on how you think about it, because primeval Titan maybe is not exactly a creature. <laughs> it's, it's a more like an end the game. Yeah. end the game <laughs> combo <laughs> piece, or yes, a way of life. Um, they, all of these, uh, all of these decks are heavily dependent on their creatures sticking around on the battlefield. And again, burn has a much harder time killing you, Um, without Goblin Guides, without Eidolons um, as (laughs) Jakey could probably tell us from this week's experiments Um, (laughs) so and uh, Helion Company which is I a relatively new deck to modern. I mean it's not new anymore, but like it's it's a lot newer than some of these other archetypes, and so is um Blue Red Prowess, I suppose. a uh, Heliod Company is just having a really dominant couple weeks here, uh, at the post Valky section of this format. Um But then when we look through the rest of this, um uh, challenge. We also have a uh, black-green Yawgmoth combo. That's another creature-based combo in 14th place. Uh, TSP Yendrick is uh, 19th on Esper Control, so he's just been duking it out and sort of ending up somewhere between 32nd and uh, and 9th uh, for <laughs> about the last month. Um, there's a classic Jun in 20th. Jun Shadow didn't crack the top 16, but had 4 decks. Um, 17th, 21st, 22nd, 24th. So lots of Jun's shadow just didn't make the top 16, possibly because of all the Heliod company that was making it up there. Uh, we had a Soul Rider. Uh, God with a Shotgun has been jamming that a bunch. He was in 26th here. And uh, the the lone blue-white control in 29th. Um, so, yeah, it's just like a super creature-heavy format, and it's not surprising that Niv to light is uh, able to come out on top there at all. Was there anything interesting you saw in there, Brian?
0: Uh, you know... Not particularly, I guess, given what I've been seeing in the queues lately. Um, but I'm kind of questioning why are we not seeing more Mill? I I kind of thought that after this round of bans, Mill was already in a decent place, and that this was just gonna end with you know Mill being one of the top decks. Um, it doesn't really worry about you know getting blocked. With with
1: a creature heavy board
0: state and
1: right, it has a pretty okay Heliod company yeah. uh, matchup.
0: So I guess I'm you know are people just running anti mill Is that what's going on here? I didn't actually look uh, into a lot of these decklists if, if
1: to we, tell. Yeah, if I uh, if I go look at this challenge, let's let's have a let's have a quick look see here. Um, I don't remember the Niv deck having anything other than eighty cards as uh, anti mill <laughs> um, That's pretty decent so... anti mill though. Yeah, it's 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 not bad. It's a it's a main deck way to um, sort of hose hose the uh, mill decks. But I, maybe it's just the proliferation of um, lightning bolt, um, the the Heliod company that can just uh, kill you with infinite damage fairly quickly, like turn four. Well, um, at although least... it's not always great at assembling it.
0: It looks like in one of these Heliod companies, in the third place on Saturday, we have mm. uh, Wheel of Sun and the Moon in the sideboard, so that'll that'll take care of that. Yeah. Um, no
1: Gaia's blessing, but. Uh...
0: Yeah,
2: Sun and Moon. That's what these
0: decks bring in against me when I play
1: Lazav Breach. It's just like, oh, you know, gotta
2: make sure I keep I pack yeah. my feed the swarms.
1: Ve- Veil of Summer is not. Not horrible for mill, but it can be quite damaging.
0: Yeah. Um, Looks like the and... eighth place list also had the wheel. The twelfth place list had the wheel. Yeah, wheel is pretty stock in the yeah. sideboards. Yeah. Okay. So I yeah. guess that answers that question. It's
1: it's a good kind of split card, I guess, because it deals with um, things like dredge and things like uh, things like mill. So yeah, I mean that's definitely one answer. And yeah, I think I mean without resolving your crabs cuz i played some mill recently and uh if your if your crabs don't stick then uh, it's it's a hard hard game a lot of the time and the, the blitz decks and the burn decks can just kill you and your creatures fast yep. enough yep. so and uh, uh ditto uh, jun shadow jun shadow is unbelievable um and when you're milling them their tarmoglyphs get huge cuz that's one of the um things that you uh, i didn't really respect so much out of Jun's Shadow necessarily was just um, the addition of Tarmogoyf to their archetype is very different from how it felt when they were playing Floor Collar um, Death Shadow. Um, sure. They're just like all aggression because they don't have to play Traverse to get more threats because they have more threats. They have Death Shadow, they have Scourge, they have Swift Spear, and they have Tarmogoyf. I mean, it's just like unbelievable the amount of pressure they can put out and how quickly. Pure aggro. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: 2021. And Tarmogoyf is a relevant card again. I might actually have. To I know. I know. Yeah, it's <laughs> wild.
1: And uh, suicide jund is no longer so suicidal because uh, half the games they'll just kill you on uh, turn four with the uh, Scourge of the Skyclaves. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the curve of Swiss Spear into Scourge is just <laughs> insane. If you don't have removal on one and two, or at least on two for the Scourge, you're going to be in trouble. Which is why you know, or one of the many reasons why uh, uh, Nibmizit would have been so successful. And still feels quite good. So then we have the next day's uh, modern challenge. So that one was the uh, showcase. So that's one a month. Um, the next day's showcase, uh, the next day's uh, regularly ske- regularly scheduled modern challenge on the March the seventh, uh, was won by Heliod. Um, and then had uh, Blue Red Prowess in second, uh, Dredge in third with the good old Ryan one hundred four ninety five um, DNT in fourth and fifth, uh, Blue Green in fact five color slivers in seventh Woo. and Jun shadow cracking the top eight, um, in eighth. Yo, um, I just but say. there was green Tron in ninth and 10th. I mean, green Tron has not had a good go of things. Um, there was a Naya, Luca, Karn, mid range deck with through the breach. Um, and Emrakuls. Actually, I'm not even sure they were playing through the breach. I didn't take a note on that, but we could go look at it. Um, uh, four color control in 15th place. Um, two goblins lists. Plus, um, Bogles was here. Gift Storm. Uh, Hammer Time. And Grixis Death Shadow. So, this one looks like kind of the leagues we've been seeing. Just a mess. Just everything. Everything that's aggressive and proactive. And then a tiny little standout control deck. Um, so. Slivers has been tearing it up recently. Like, in the last month or so, I think I've seen more Slivers results than the last year. Oh, um, yeah.
2: It comes and goes. You know, I think also, I love Just JustBurn420. What an amazing screen name. And I do believe yeah. that they've, I've <laughs> seen them do well with, like, don't they have, like, the five color meme burn deck that just plays all that random stuff? I don't know. I feel like this I think player. think Tribal Flames and stuff? No, like, I think it had Oko. I don't or like
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I think it was from a while ago. Oh, oh just, the Oko
1: Burn Deck. Yeah, I think yep, that that's probably that just Burn 420. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, that that um, that that challenge is yeah. I mean, this is it's. I I guess this is modern as healing, um, because we're back to <laughs> mostly everyone just trying to kill each other or combo off very, very, very quickly. Uh, with a very tiny number of, of viable control strategies. This is the way it was when I started playing Modern um, about three years ago and I came back to Magic after a long break, and uh, as it was then, as it shall be now. And the, the, the largest percentage of playable, quote-unquote, control decks seem to be tap-out control decks. Uh, anything that's playing Stoneforge Mystic and a pile of removal Sometimes playing blue, sometimes not playing blue. Niv Mizzet is basically a tap-out control deck. You know, you're not holding up mana for counter magic. You're just deploying removal and threats at uh, you know a, a pretty powerful rate. So um, it's been interesting. And uh, even even the, the modern deck dump though has some interesting stuff here. Um, we've got a mono green Snow Eldrazi, um inverter, and ad nauseum. Um, both seem to have their disciples. So Inverter is uh, one of the post uh, Simian Spirit Guide band versions of a, a Thassa's Oracle, Spoils of the Vault deck. And then there's one that I'm just referring to as Ad Nauseam, um, which is not running the Inverter, um, but is running Ad, ad Nauseum's in its place. And both is, are essentially trying to win off of Thassa's Oracle uh, alone. So that's uh, interesting to keep an eye on. How long that's able to sustain itself and if and when they ever get uh, a more competitive finish with that archetype um anything that you guys notice that is specifically interesting unique about this this batch of stuff yeah, so i just
2: uh, going back to the inverter uh thing i know canister's mm. been playing that a lot actually i think actually a couple days ago he 5-0 uh, he trophied with a blue black inverter uh list that he seemed really keen on you know he, li- he likes to do those kind of things it's which is which is pretty cool that you know, like, oh, it's not totally dead, but just I don't know, you know, this is like this is the modern we want, right? This is everything is viable, you know, lots of ships passing in the night. Uh, I think aggro is a little aggro is a little aggro, if you know what I'm saying. I just I don't know. I I've I've lost a couple trophies to burn and to blue red prowess, and like it feels bad because sometimes like you know, they're not terrible at matchups. I'll win them sometimes, and it's like okay, it's what you know, like 4-0, like thing is burn like maybe we'll get there and then they just have a triple island draw and it's like well you know like that that's gonna be that so sad to watch it slip away
0: i was just gonna say you know i think that um this is just a good indication or a, a good this is a good rebuttal to all of the people who when a meta changes and their favorite deck is no longer you know particularly good this is a good reminder that like everything is kind of cyclical we're seeing things like bogles in the top 32 we're seeing you know blue green infect in the top 32 we're seeing uh burn and tron and and all of these things that are like you know ye old timey decks and they, they have all returned, Jund, things like that. And so uh, just good to remind yourself that, yeah, your deck may not be at the top of the meta right now, but if it had a good foothold in Modern at one point, there's always a chance that it will return to prominence. All it takes is a single card or some bannings to uh, shake things up a little bit, and suddenly your favorite deck is now a player in the meta again. So don't get discouraged.
2: I must say, too, that I have, you know, the, I've gone a little bit down the dark side and I've started playing uh, Boggles with Force of Negation because that just that just sounds like, you know, so much fun. And although I can't really get more than a 3-2 with it, it is like sick and amazing and fun and kind of hilarious. And it's just like, you know, it, like you just have a board state, you look at Magic Online, you have your Boggle and it's got like nine enchantments on it. And you just like look at it, you're like, wow, this looks kind of absurd.
1: And the, um, the previous deck dumps we looked at, I don't know if you guys remember the number, but they were in uh, the low 60s to the mid-60s. Do you guys catch how many decks there were in the most recent five O dump? It's like mm-hmm. 70-something, right? 75? 75. 75. 75 Nature's healing. Is, I mean, yeah. Well, and, and more to the point, it's it's diverse. And I think that's incredible. I mean, there's three distinct builds of Jun. Uh, there's Zoomer Jund as I refer to it, which is playing Loris. There's Boomer Jund, which is the list that everyone knows like the back of their hand. And there was even another one that was playing only Tarmogoyfs and um, Questing Beast as the creatures, and main deck Loris. Um, no Bloodbraid Elves, so I'm gonna call that one no bad card jund, I guess, because Bloodbraid Elf. Um, <laughs> i mean,
2: you, you <laughs> well, say that? Just, I saw a jund crush you with Blood. I saw a deck crush you with Bloodbraid Elves the other day. They did. I have.
1: I have a screenshot of three turns in a row my gen opponent playing Bloodbraid Elf into um, Bonecrusher Giant. Three turns in a row. Turn three, turn four, turn five. Maybe if you didn't trash talk
2: it so much, they you know, fate wouldn't be like, we just have to crush Jack, you know, make him realize that he's being a
0: fool. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well that's that as that's as may be but i'm uh, i'm gonna take my lumps uh and uh keep disrespecting jund no i love jund i, I love jund uh, there's something about it that makes me not want to play it but I, I deeply deeply respect it when i do play it, it it feels feels like coming home so yeah i mean it's it is a wonderfully diverse uh metagame it's not diverse in a way that favors the decks i love but then again as i, I used to say before and as i wrote in my cryptic command uh, article one of the one of the joys modern for me and i think one of the reasons i've gravitated towards these brewing podcasts is uh i enjoy playing decks that are uh underdogs you know and uh, it makes every win all the sweeter so <laughs> when you when you see this format like this where it's like listen control is just you know statistically awful it's like okay well i guess i know what i'm playing then <laughs> and since i enjoy playing it anyway um you know that's uh that's gonna be interesting um now launching into our next section here i mean um jiggy and i both actually did register and play in that modern showcase challenge um jiggy had the superior record uh i of course dropped at oh two um because uh in the previous weekend i i did some testing with uh, Uh, grixis breach and i did not find it particularly to my liking um so i ended up playing enigmatic incarnation in that in that challenge and uh getting burned out very quickly uh but jiggy you seem to have done a heck of a lot of work wait i thought you didn't you play the urge of stoneforge list oh i did that was the previous weekend where I played Enigmatic. No, I played, um, I played RKS Dota's Esper Urza deck. I thought I was misremembering that. And now, I, now I know why. Yeah, the just... Esper Urza deck, by the way, was not uh, exciting. Um, I did poorly with it in the challenge, and then I took it into a league and did poorly there, too. Um, I don't love playing uh, Urza decks with zero main deck removal. Especially in this format, Unless I've done it several own. times, and sometimes to success. Um, yeah, exactly. But um, but I th- like to me the reason I really liked playing straight blue white uh, Urza combo or straight blue black Urza combo with no third color is because you get to play a few extra enablers and much more disruption, much more um, sort of a controlling mid range deck um, than as aggressively trying to combo. Um, anyway, so. <laughs> Beyond my failed recollections. Um Jiggy, you've been doing a lot of work on uh grinding grinding breach. Yeah,
2: we, what's uh what up with that? We try our hardest. So you know, so I was able to play in the challenge, which I was planning to last weekend, but then had the realization, oh, even better, this is the showcase, but I was actually twenty I was like fifteen qualified like QP short. So okay, you know, just like gotta do those prelims. Uh, so I did a First prelim on Thursday, I think. You know, my goal was two. If I can just three, when I get enough qual- enough QPs to be done, I wound up going two two. it was just a pretty standard uh, Lazard breach list with Dark Confidant in the flex spots. Uh, I lost to Mono Green Tron. You know, not super surprising. That's just with a lot of I think at least with a lot of decks that I play. I think this might just be a lot of true true with a lot of decks in general. Mono losing to Mono Green. You know, when you face Mono Green Tron, it's not about your draws; it's about their draws. Like, you know, if they like, if they mull to four, and then if they have the Tron, but you manage to thoughtseize that one, payoff, you know, you can make it. But if they keep seven, and if you, you know, even if you have two pieces of disruption, and they still find Tron on turn three, and then cast a card and liberate it, you know, you're screwed in so many ways. Uh, so my first loss was to Tron. Just they, they didn't mulligan in either their in either of their games. Uh, the next mat, the next match, I beat Green Tron because they mulligan to four, and then they mulligan to three. That was very generous of them. I appreciated it. <laughs> Uh, I lost to amulet the next round. You know, amulet. I don't know. The more I think about it, the more that like amulet kind of seems closer, like kind of close to Tron, where you're just ramping up and building up your mana before you cast these big beaters that kind of take these big haymakers that kind of take over the game. Uh, so I lost to amulet for kind of that similar reason where I was. Able, I thought, you know, I thought sees a Titan and they have the set. They draw the second Titan and I'm not able to find my combo quick enough. Uh, but then I beat Blue White Shark Blade uh, for the two two. You know, overall the deck felt pretty good. Pretty expected to lose to Mono Green Tron. I think the Amulet Dread deck just drew better than me. Uh, this means I got some QPs, but not enough QPs, which means I had to play in the 7 PM one on Friday in order to get enough for Saturday. Uh, but you know, we do what we have to do. And that next prelim, I actually didn't change anything in the deck. I felt pretty good about it. Uh, even you know the sideboard and stuff. Four Collective Brutalities. Uh, I meant 3-1 in the second prelim, which was pretty sweet. Of course, you know, not to bang a conspiracy or anything, but my list didn't get published, even though I 3 won. Little suspect, little suspect. Uh, you know, very, very hard to publish this list, Wasi doesn't want it out there. Uh, I beat Blue Red Prowess, you know, like, I think their draw was pretty okay, but my draw was just pretty nuts. I lost a next round, I lost a Blue Red Prowess, where their draw was like the absolute bananas, and I couldn't do anything. I then beat Hammer Time, which is kind of a buy for the deck, because you have... Game one might be a little rough, but you, if you can draw your one, you're probably good. But game two and three, you kind of, I sideboard out the Croaks, the Lazav part, and then I just add in like all the removal spells. Now you're just like a Breach combo deck that plays a bunch of removal and four engine explosives. So that feels pretty good to just kind of get the Biver's Hammer time. And then I managed to be Titan 2 for the similar reasons where I was quick enough and I was able to, you know, Thotsis take their Titan. This time they don't draw the second Titan off the top, and I just, you know, kind of Crushed them out, which felt pretty good. So That 3-1 was great, you know, got me enough points, got me feeling pretty good about the, the showcase, you know? Like, if I can 3-1 or prelim the day before, we've got we've got a chance. I mean, you know, I don't think this is... This isn't, like, the strongest deck, and I don't think this is quite the level of the Temer Kinn, and Arosa deck that Zach and I worked on. That was just, like, four ones out the wazoo, where, like, you almost, you know, kind of had to sleep be asleep at the wheel in order to really do poorly. I miss that deck so much. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, You know, like if I like, just like kind of like any, you know, any challenge. If I play, I know the deck well, and if I if I play the deck well, and if I ran a little hot, drew a little well, I think I could have definitely top aided. Uh, Luckily, you know, fate and everything and reality is always here to drop a little check on you. Uh, So Zach mentioned that he had that I had the better record. This isn't actually true. Zach's record was better than mine because he stopped at O2 and I tried to go that one more.
1: No, you played more rounds than I did. You, you, you. I, I think the way it would stack that up, that you would have a higher, um, that you would have a higher placement than me. I believe so. I I have a, I have a higher. That seems, that seems unfair. O2 drop is not better than O3 drop. I mean, you had the, the tenacity. You stuck it in.
2: Technically, you know, my technically, I placed higher, but your record is better
1: we just. Split those hairs. <laughs> my match, my match loss percentage is somehow lower. Both of <laughs> them are zero. But, but the, the real question is who maximized
0: their fun because that's really how we're measuring success here, right?
1: I, mean, um, I think I might. I
0: think
2: Jiggy. Yeah, you, Zach didn't yeah. seem particularly yeah.
0: enthused with his deck of choice.
1: Mm. well i was before i played it i ran into i ran into i ran into um prowess and then burn with no main deck removal it was like the worst possible thing right speaking of and uh yeah speaking of prowess into burn that was
2: also my experience so my first round was against red white lurus prowess you know like abbot of carol keep blast from the past you know during Mm. during actual companion days uh, that was, you know, I'd lost that one. I so for all two, three of these, I did lose the die roll, but I think there's, you know, part of it. Uh, you know, I, it was just a very close three. It was came down to like one turn, and they top decked right before I did, and then round two I lost a burn again. A similar situation. It was a very close one, two loss, and you know I felt like I was literally just one turn away from being able to like being able to make it a combo or whatever. Uh, so that was, you know, rather unfortunate. And then. The third round, I'm on a patient. the Strange Jeskai control list that played Dreadhorde Arcanist. Uh, game one, I absolutely crushed them. And then game two uh, and three, actually, they just, I kind of, you know, it was actually pretty re- re- realizing for me. Like, I feel like that this is probably a pretty solid matchup just because being able to, you know, like attack them kind of on all the axes, you know, aggressive with the combo. But also you have very threat that you're very creatures that will just kind of end the game pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, Snap Path Snap. Pretty power or path snap sm- path snap path is a pretty powerful line uh, I think both or game two and game three they each uh, they drew two snap casters each game And like it is crazy how snap caster just like cleans up with removal especially, you know I didn't quite realize you know But I think the secretization about the deck though is that one of the you know having this disjointed plan of you can either breach or you can lose off Kroxa, is that because you're not full on the creature package that you know if you if you draw your creatures and if they have three to four removal spells with the Snap, and then you wind up drawing the combo half, you know you're kind of in trouble if they have a counter spell, and that's what seemed to kind. Of, that's what seemed to come up in this case. Where just you know they they just removed all my creatures. They had way more removal than I could deal with, and then my combo half just wasn't you know all it needed was 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 one counter spell to stop. But it also could be that their draws were just you know their draws lined up really well, which of course happens sometimes. Uh, but it was. And I was, it was kind of, it was, you know, a little sad. Once again, game three was super close and I was one turn away. Uh, so, you know, I think this could have easily been, you know, instead of being a 0-3, could have been a 3-0 if I had just drawn a little better. But that's, you know, that's kind of the game of magic. And when I, you know, sometimes these things happen and you think about it, I do want to mention I was watching Mox coverage the other day. And uh, they Googled uh, you know, when I think he's, a, he's just an amazing, like probably one of the more talented players there are. Uh, but he um, uh, had a little thing for coverage on just, like, his online, his, like, overall. I think he had, like, 13,000 lifetime Magic Online games. And he had... Wow. Uh, his win percentage was, like, 62%. And then... Or no, his, win, his total Magic Online win percentage was 60%. And his total online win percentage for Modern was 62%. And, you know, so this is... Yeah. Like, he's probably actually one of the best Magic players alive right now, even though he's not on the Pro Tour or MPL or anything. But even, you know, like, he's only 60% in Modern, so that, like, you know, that's 3 2. So if, you know, like, and same thing with, like, where 55% was kind of the ban limit. If your, you know, a deck wins one than 55%, we ban it. Like, that's just, you know, if you can 3 2 every league, you're actually doing well above average than everyone else, which is, I think, just something I try and keep in mind, because it seems, you know, like, Oh, a three-two, a three-two, a three-two. Just like I can, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, not. I think I feel like I'm getting a little unlucky. But that record is actually, you know, just like top notch if you think
0: about it. Definitely, yeah, I'd be thrilled with a series of three twos. It would mean that I'm not uh, <laughs> shelling out for leagues.
1: <laughs> no, I'm the opposite. I got to compete with all these damn Zoomers. The problem that I have is I don't, I don't rock the uh, the same strategy as they do where as soon as they have two losses in a league, they just drop it. That's how they're able to get so many damn 5 O's because they, they just drop the leagues where they have two losses.
0: Must be nice to be able to just throw money away like that.
1: I know, I know, I know, I know, it's interesting. Um, but, um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's true. But that said, I mean, part of the reason that I didn't take uh, the Grixis Grinding Breach deck in is because, yes, I would say overall um, every deck... You know, if every deck you play goes constantly three two, that's great. But one of the interesting things about that is, within a given um, sample of meta, um, your deck can be better or worse. And I feel like this was a hostile meta for um, grinding breach. Would you say that's accurate, Jiggy? Because I feel like Eidolon and Karn and uh, removal is kind of riding high.
2: Yeah, it definitely it felt a little hostile. <laughs> uh you know no doubt about that uh just lots of lots of burn lots of iron, like you mentioned they're not you know they're not remotely close to ideal uh but i wouldn't you know that there wasn't too much kind great creator i wouldn't say it was like too hostile relative to other things i just yeah i don't know it yeah i mean you know i <laughs> i don't actually know i'm this is something that i'm still kind of puzzling and thinking about myself it's just like is the mm. like is the deck is it actually good like have I just been running not so great just like what's the you know like, like are there small tweaks I can make you know just, I mean ultimately mm. I think also just snapcaster made like snapcaster plus removal is also like not great for the deck the deck seems to struggle against that especially uh especially exile based removal you know and also the stupid what's on the ice is like kind of driving me crazy too because like mm. you can't although it is it is a little weak <laughs> to ee so like post sideboard you do get a little value off of that when you can you know like kill it and then get your things back uh you know uh, sometimes like you go you drop turn one emery if that gets path you don't really care i mean you know it sucks to lose an emery but like to have three mana on turn two you can just do silly things uh whereas if they on thin ice well, your turn one emery that really sucks
1: and the the actual combo of the deck doesn't um, doesn't require any creatures to be in play initially, but you have to get up to about five mana, which is you know a, a bit of an ask. Sometimes um, it's obviously better to have either grinding station in play or, or something else to start with. But um, anyway, I, I was enthused by our discussion last episode, and I, I tried a bunch of different um, builds to try to help you iterate on this deck. I, I tried it with. Uh, Lightning Bolt's in the main deck because, as we would previously experienced, sometimes Kroxa plus um, uh, Underworld Breach um, kind of functions like a, a, a two-mana Lightning Bolt where you can just cast Kroxa like three or four times with a Breach turn and kill your opponent that way. And I thought, oh, well, Lightning Bolt is much cheaper at doing the same thing, so maybe that will work out um, for us. And it was, it was fine. And also having the main deck interaction for, for things like Eidolon was good. Uh, I tried Meyer Triton in both the main and sideboard. This is uh, one in a black for a 2-1 zombie merfolk. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you gain two life and you mill two. Um, so that was kind of neat. I, I tried out, um, you had tried it previously, but I had not, um, which was the uh, Stitcher supplier of, uh, of Saltai um, uh, Crabvine fame. Yeah, uh, and Bridgevine, and all all sorts of different Hogaks. Um, That one was not as good, but it did fill the gap that this deck felt like it had a lot of the time, where if you weren't playing turn one Emery, you probably weren't playing turn one anything. Um, So that's definitely one of the trickiest spots with this deck, is like, what do you do on turn one? Um, And uh, and then I even went totally nuts, and I played a black-red version that was still playing Thassa's Oracle, um, so I was playing Black Red Grinding Breach, um, but I had things like Season Pyromancer, I tried out things like more Lightning Bolts, I tried out all sorts of nonsense, uh, Stitcher Supplier and My- Myra Trayton, and just put it all together and cut the blue, no Lazavs, um, and no Emery's, uh, and just uh, using um, Unearth as uh the way to get the uh to get the Thassa's Oracle back I would say overall unearth is the biggest bump in power and quality and the biggest insight that this deck has had recently so I don't think we're done um and playing three or four copies of Luris is phenomenal once you're playing unearth um it really really as we said before but I, I don't know how much I was able to say it at the time. This has felt like a huge bump to the resiliency of this deck. Uh, Not the speed, but certainly the consistency and the resiliency through the mid-game. The number of times you can um, Underworld, Breach, and use unearth to do all sorts of nonsense the number of times that you, you can't get a blue mana to play your Emery. But it's okay, because at some point you're going to mill over an Unearth and use the Unearth to get the Emery back. So you don't need a blue mana to get your, your combo started. I mean, it's it's been a really, really big deal. Um, so there's definitely something to this core um, I know you're a big fan of Lazov. I'm not a big fan of Lazov. <laughs> he has his ups and downs. No, I mean, I, I don't I don't um I'm not saying that I haven't had games where it's been very good, but it's definitely like not that great at adding to the main plan, but it does give you an entire second axis, as does Croxa. But if we cut both those cards, then you get uh, seven-ish slots to, to put in a different direction. And I don't know what direction that would be necessarily, but um, it, it, there's, there's lots of room to iterate on this. So if anyone is excited about the Grixis Breach archetype, don't take our total 05 record in that challenge uh, as, as uh, a sign that it's necessarily dead.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, something... When you mentioned that too, I think actually I've been messing with the sideboarding plans a lot, and depending on the matchup, I'll either sideboard completely out of the breach or out of the Lazav Kroxa package, uh, which I've actually mm. has found have been found to be working really well. It is nice to have them. The biggest thing is that Lazav Kroxa, uh, you know, if you have if you're grinding breach. You're pretty much uh, SOL, like you're dead on arrival to rest in peace and those sorts of things. <laughs> but even like a Kai's mm. Guile and an Ashiok are still, you know, they're a huge pain in the ass. And like maybe if you time everything right, if you sandbag the breach and then maybe a zero CMC artifact and you have a grinding station, then you can, you, know, you can like grinding station, grind the zero CMC artifact and like grind something else and then, you know, maybe breach in like a single turn. But it, that, that's more, for you that doesn't happen too often. But Lizab, with Lazab and Kroxa, you know, like, it just gives a whole other access to beat those one, of, uh, uh, those one of graveyard hate strategies. But, yeah, I have been thinking about this. The other thing that I've been really curious about is the Arayo deck. You know, the Esper Arayo deck that kind of popped up as a little flash in the yeah. pan a while ago. I'm pretty sure that A, Arayo is the weakest card in that deck, and B, they're only running like one or two Lurses. I think you actually could probably take that shell, cut the Arayaos, uh, and then, you know, go up to like th- maybe three Luris, four Earth, and then, you know, four Mentors still, and then just kind of go nuts on that. That's something that I've been curious to try a little bit. I think it could be, you know, pretty, pretty strong. Maybe keep Arayao on the sideboard in case you need to cheese out combo decks.
1: So Esper Unearth mentor is the is the deck
2: yeah yeah I think that sounds uh, that, that sounds pretty strong and I think uh, pretty much after this we should let Brian Brian has been kind of pa- a product yeah. that he is super impassioned about so I definitely want to hand it off to him but I oh
1: for sure but I, I do I, I have I been messing with, I've one. been
2: messing with mentor a little bit more and I'm gonna talk about a little bit how I iterated on this to four Ooh. colors just to kind of see what would happen uh, after we let Brian do his thing.
0: Well, so, so before then I, I have some thoughts on the, the Lazav breach ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of just wild out there things. If we know that, you know, the, the deck gets hosed pretty hard by, um, the graveyard hate in game two, uh, maybe we could find something that pairs well with grinding station that does not get hated out. Um. So the first thing that comes to mind, and, and I'm going to talk about this when I get into what I was working on for the past couple of weeks, um, but Urza and Grinding Station is just an insane combo on its own. Being able to play an artifact, tap your Grinding Station to produce a mana, untap it, um, means that you can oftentimes just chain off with you know cheap artifacts uh, if you have a way to continue drawing them or whatever. Um, And so maybe something along the lines of boarding in Paradoxical Outcome and uh, some urzas, or if you can find a way to slip some urzas into the main deck, that is probably not, like just on its surface is probably not a great idea. I I don't think you want to just jam some urzas into your list, certainly, Um, but you know, just keeping in mind that that might be a decent pivot plan. And instead of looking to combo off with the graveyard, just look to stay entirely on board, bounce things to hand, draw a bunch of cards, you know, that sort of thing. Um, Because you don't necessarily need to put all of your cards into your graveyard to win. Uh, If you have enough cheap or free artifacts that you can continue bouncing with Urza, go mana positive, you know, play your Paradoxical Outcome. Maybe you play your your, um, Underworld Breach. And then you get to recast paradoxical outcome maybe you just end up with a boatload of cards in hand and you can still effectively mill yourself out uh, mill yourself out but not actually put everything into the graveyard if that makes sense
2: i mean the ones i think this is kind of interesting but you know a PO plus urza you're siding in like between four and eight four cmc cards and that that's yeah. not super useful against the aggro decks and everything no. and then I also like just with how the deck works the artifact count isn't actually super high I would like it to be higher you know in, in, in an ideal world I would cut the four thought seeds and play four Chromatic Star I just think that would actually help the consistency of the deck a lot but I've noticed that it's not necessarily the consistency of this deck that's the issue it's the issue is the other deck where you know you'll be one turn short before they prime time on turn four mm-hmm. and like, but if sure. your thoughts is their prime time then you know even if you set yourself back half a turn that still does really well for you
0: yeah yeah just uh just some things to consider and um the other card that uh you know if your artifact count isn't high this isn't going to do a whole lot for you but um we ended up uh messing around with some scrap trawlers uh this past couple of weeks and scrap trawler man that thing gets out of hand very fast oh yeah Uh, actually
2: i have i have some ideas i think you know i i think yeah i think scrap trawler is probably i'm going to spend some time exploring it's you know KCI was busted only because Scrap Trawler existed, right? Like, that card is Scrap, absolutely. Scrap Trawler. It's on the same axis of Breach, where you no one you don't put Scrap Trawler in your deck with good intentions. And, like, the only thing that's <laughs> going to happen is as soon as Scrap, Scrap Trawler gets figured out and put into a shell that's consistent enough, it is going to get banned straight up.
0: I fully believe that, yeah. Absolutely. After, the,
2: after having the Snapcaster removal epiphany, where removal wrecked my stuff, it's like, okay, you know, what if we... Cut the breach package, then you just kind of try to be more aggressive. And what's the good aggressive creature for these style shells? you know, like Mentor, I've, I've loved and i messed with these shells too. Like Mentor, Emery, Luris, Unearth, those are good stuff. Uh, while we're in four colors, you know, like may as well have hollow or Skuller because I'm a sucker for Skuller. A uh, huge sucker all the time. Kendrick, just got an old border. Yeah. Just got an old I frame know. version. It makes me very excited. And then, Disgusting gold. Beautiful. And the last thing was like. I love it. I love Springleaf Drum, you know, in a lot of decks it just feels underpowered, but the main reason Springleaf Drum is bad because if you draw two of them they suck and if you all oh, the creatures are dead, they also suck. But at the same time the ceiling can be huge and if you can just kind of like smooth out so the average quality of Springleaf Drum is better, I think it could be worth it. And so Drum in this list opens up things like Turn 1 uh, Drum into Turn 2 Scholar into Emery, which is, you know, I think a pretty cool and interesting line that really gets you started. Uh, so for this list I have twenty lands, including four Dlimmer Voids, and like a right up some white uh shocks in addition. Four Bobble, four Amber, one EE, four Thought Seas, four Unearth, three drum, four Skuller, four Lazav, or three three Lazav, four Croxa, three Mentor, four Emery, three Luris, and one Egon, God of Death, which I just thought was my one fun of. Uh, so the goal here is, you know, kind of you have the Lazav Croxa lines, you also have Skuller. Like, uh, Drum also triggers Mentor, which is pretty nice. And so the goal is just kind of be aggressive. And you have four sees four skull, four croaks so they kind of, you know, make the discard package a little bit stronger. Uh, so this was, I took it into a League, and I went going, and I went 2-3 overall. Uh, a couple, you know, a couple things that kind of make sense as they happen. Uh, a, Glimmer Void, you know, I love that card. I don't think my artifact count is quite high enough, and it's just once again it's of those high variance cards where sometimes you know you draw one or two and you have a bunch of artifacts and it's great and other times you have like your starting hand is trip is like nuts but it's got three glimmer void and the spring leaf drum is your artifacts and it's like well we're just gonna yolo it you know like what what happens happens uh there's some amazing blo- there's some amazing blowouts
0: I was just about to say uh, I walking into a league with uh, four glimmer void is just like the biggest flex I can think of you're just like <laughs> absolutely no fear like look oh, at yeah. look at the glimmer voids and you just rest them on the table do something about
1: it turn one bobble glimmer void thoughties be like yo I don't even need this bobble <laughs> it's just there for my glimmer void I mean the best but I mean it's it is a very. Good card because, like, um, the Spire of Industry um, doesn't give you black on turn one, which you only need for Thoughtseize, but still. And then, if you don't have an artifact, it's going to take a while to start producing Colored Man, and even when it does, it's going to be pinging you. So, it's like Glimmer Void really is almost all upside, except for the fact that you occasionally get Stone Rain for free. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe
0: that's... you just jam a Crucible of Worlds in your list, and then. <laughs> You can play it because it doesn't go to to the graveyard until end of turn. So you get your colored right, mana right, out of right, it. Right, right, it right, goes right. away. Eventually, you get to your one of Crucible Worlds, and you can have it back. And it'll stick around yeah. that
2: time. I mean, I've definitely yeah. put yeah. Glimmer Void and Renin Six in the same deck, you know, 100%. Like, you can grab those dead yeah. Voids. Hey. I mean, it, it's just, yes, yeah, Painless Rainbow Land. I mean, it's insane when it works. There's, it was amazing. There's this mm. one. I was facing this blue red. Uh, uh, boil, boil, uh, control, boil, control player. Mm. And so, I go turn one, like, Glimmer Void into spring leap Drum. They pause for, like, 30 seconds, and they force a negation it. Because they're just, like, oh. they, my spring leap Drum, they're, they're going... I mean, I had the Mox Amber to punish them, and let me tell you, that felt okay, great. Okay, good. But, yes. like, and I, I crushed them that game. It's like, I bet you had wished that... <laughs> actually, I don't know, I didn't really... This deck doesn't even have any good other targets to force a negation, except maybe Unearthed, so but they didn't know that. Yeah. But anyways, that that felt yeah. so good to watch them try. I I don't, blame, so, I don't blame them though. I might have gone for that greedy so, line too.
1: This so this to me conceptually kind of looks like uh what does this look like? It's it, there's no removal in here except for a one of ee. Hell yeah. Uh and the only disruption is four thought seizes. Hell yeah. Um so it's it's kind of like it's kind of like four color, hyper greedy, like D Yeah. Cause you've got scholars and thought seizes, um, married with this crazy Emery Lazov Croxa Lurus unearth <laughs> chunk of the deck. I mean, I don't even, it's so, I don't know. It's just like all onboard greed and I love it. Um, your strategy against removal is just to Croxa them endlessly and or unearth Luris and or, yeah, I mean, or or like mentor and get like three or four triggers in a turn so it's like spot removal doesn't work and people aren't playing a lot of rats right now anyway.
2: Yeah. So The goal is to yeah, have more it's... threats than they have removal instead of having less right, threats than right, right. they have removal. Yeah.
1: And and also, I mean, we, we've seen this repeatedly. Um, Croxa is a house. Croxa is mean, a house. it, it is... is it's insane, the the attrition game, the sort of Jund game you get to play with just Crocs in a deck. Sometimes it, you really, like... It's like putting Liliana of the Veil on the board, where it's just, like, about one turn later, both players have no hand, and it's, like, you, you don't... You can't believe how fast that happens. Um, except in this deck, you might have Emery with a Bobble just going off on the meantime, so you're still drawing gas, and you've got the Tide Hall I mean, you know... I, I, I just don't know what to say about this like I, there's so many of your other lists i know what to what to do with them i guess this is kind of like your bant mentor list yeah when back in the euro bit. day man those were i still yeah. think i wish i
2: played that deck more i think that deck is probably one of the best decks that we brewed up only mm-hmm. because you know like it's bant no bad cards
1: and so this is all your pet cards in one deck monastery mentor yeah. Lazov, and mox amber and luris Every
2: and spring leaf drum on earth thoughts. This, this is this is this is like a true yeah. jiggy pile, and you know, I think, yeah, yes, I need to maybe I should mess around with this a little bit more. It felt super clunky, which is not surprising. If you look at it, it's kind of like, What is this pile of cards? and if you look at the deck and it yeah. says, What is this pile of cards? it might be a little clunky, yeah, Brian. I
0: so I'm gonna just keep trying to tempt you over to the jank side, and
1: I, um, is this I've not jank to you? <laughs> no there's these are all like these are do you not 90... take dr combo seriously when he presents you with jake
0: <laughs> no this is like 95 percent good cards um let me tell you about mystic forge and cost reducers <laughs> so you know we again gonna get into this uh when we we talk about what we've been working on for the past two weeks but uh mystic forge with some cost reducers can let you go off like really go off and uh, playing a bunch of otherwise do-nothing artifacts goes really well with Mentor. Well, one of the big problems that these Mystic Forge run, uh, decks run into is that they can sometimes fizzle. You hit a land, you hit uh, a colored pip that you can't you know, um, cast through or whatever, something you can't cast off the top of the deck. Well, in the Mentor case, that might actually be okay, because even if you end up with two or three tokens, those two or three tokens are probably enough to win the next turn if you get to start chaining off again. Um, yeah, the big problem. very interesting. Yeah, uh, the, the big problem that we were running into with uh, some of these um, Mystic Forge decks was that we didn't really have a strong enough turn two play to slow down aggro um, if maybe you went into green white or something like that, you might be able to uh, you know, do the one three skip, get your mentor down, um, possibly cast some zero CMC artifacts off the top with a mystic forge or something. You know, just get a couple tokens out there uh, early enough to, to slow down aggro. Um, but I have been incredibly impressed with Mystic Forge and just the ability to recover from a game where wow. you've been, you know, forced to discard or you have been, uh, you know, your stuff has been removed off board. Like, I've come back from a turn four just completely dead on board. Not a single permanent on the board. Land a Mystic Forge and then combo off for a win.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is very interesting you know, I might leave you to work out the mentor angle. I think it's, you know, it is <laughs> the one thing I will say on this is that in some of these old lists. So when I was messing around with this with Team Sunny Days, just like way back when uh, they recommended, oh, you know, what if you like with the, these are the bug cannon shells and, you know, you just get up in a certain amount of mana. And it's like, oh, what if you just like try Brand as a cannon hit and also, you know, sometimes just get enough mana to mm. cast it. So I messed with that, and, you know, that didn't work so well. But then I started messing with uh, Bolas' Citadel, which is, you know, kind of like Mystic oh, Forge yeah. in a way. And, oh, yeah. you know, all the time it just eats Force mitigation, et etc. But there were actually three games where I resolved Bolas' Citadel. Two of them I had Mentor on the board. But anyways, in all three of those games, I just won. The card was insane. I think Dan was definitely onto something. And, you know, I might I might use your Mystic Forge as inspiration and actually might go back to, like, some... You mentor Bolus to sit at all this, which sounds pretty sexy.
0: Hell yeah, I'm, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's
2: do it. But I mean, just so kind of to wrap right. things up with this, it just, I'm, I, my, my guess is that just n equals five, five matches is just too low of a sample size. Like it felt clunky, but also, you know, like it looks a little clunky, but also. You know just like I think which might have been five medium games like I didn't get any nuts starts You know the other one of the other reasons I had a leap drum is I remember when I messed with these shells earlier You do have the absolute nuts draws of like turn one land bobble mox emery uh, Springleaf drum emery mills a and then you unearth your lurus and you're just like You're just like literally you're on, you're on turn four at this point. Well your opponent hasn't even played a card yet so those I never got one of those starts etc. So it seems, you know, I think I should... <laughs> N equals 5 is probably too small, and this is definitely a good reminder that I should try it again. But it did... It felt clunkier than I had hoped it would. And Egon slash the other thing was just, you know, just play better cards. I loved the. It. <laughs> it was a cool card, and it was fun, but, like, you know, you may as well just play better cards while they're out there.
1: Yeah, Egon has looked kind of lackluster, except in um, some, like... There's, there's like, a black-red kind of shell where it's, like, it's fine, Um but it's it's I I've never seen it do anything exciting. You know, it's uh, It needs so.
2: it needs Opal. That's the big issue. You know, like the one the one CMC artifact is like kinda nice, but just it doesn't accrue card advantage instantly. But if as a as an opal enabler, I bet it would be insane.
0: Yeah, I was just about to say, I think that the throne is the more exciting side of Egon.
2: Yeah, I mean that's what I would always play, but even so, you know, the throne is only moderately exciting. You just get the mill yeah. one and mm-hmm. occasionally it helps you grind out. But, you know, if it were, if it were turning on a, a Mox Opal, I would be super into it. And probably around, like, three of them. Sweet. <laughs> but, once again, uh, this is good inspiration. But... I'm going to start messing around with Bolas' Citadel again. Thanks, Brian.
0: I like it. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Happy to help. Happy to Bolas' Citadel. Yeah. So, uh, why don't you... Uh, we're we're going to take a little break here and... Um stay with us when we get back we're going to talk about some metalwork colossi all right welcome back so as i've been alluding to um all episode oops got up to some serious shenanigans this past two weeks. I was actually ready to just like double down on this, uh, Grixis grinding breach list myself. And then, uh, as I had mentioned last episode, we had, um, uh, somebody come into our discord and present a list with mystic forge. Um, he goes by breast player on MTGO. Um, and, so what he came in with was a list that was looking to land a Mystic Forge and churn through the deck, uh, eventually finding an Aetherflux Reservoir, continuing to churn through the deck. It played a bunch of 1CMC rocks like Codex Shredder and um, Wand of Vertebrae. Uh, and so you could kind of smooth over lands and uh, cards that you couldn't cast. And eventually you get up to 50 life and you kill them with the Aetherflux Reservoir. Uh, He was also playing cost reducers such as Cloud Key and Semblance Anvil to cast all of the cheap artifacts for free so that you could do all of this on a single turn. Um, This was packaged up nicely with some Tron lands so you could go off as early as turn 3 with a nut draw. Uh, and actually, the deck worked pretty well. Uh, the biggest problem that I was running into when I first started playing it is that it had pretty poor game against aggro. And while it could combo off as early as turn three, it seemed like four, five, and six were more consistent.
2: Brian, do you want to just give everyone just the list that you started with just for some point of reference? You described this deck is just so atypical that, you know, I think it'll be having the full list I think would be super useful for... me also and probably zach but our listeners too
0: yeah 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 let me um let me see if i can actually find the initial list i don't know that i even have it or at least uh, one relatively
2: close you know just like you lifted up you listed off all these cards but i i can in my brain in my small little
0: pea brain i cannot put these together and see what the hell you're doing um yeah, let me just I, I think I can recreate it from memory. I actually don't have the list recorded, but uh it was something like um nineteen lands, so we had uh the you know, the twelve Tron lands. Uh there was also Inventor's Fair and Blast Zone, uh as well as a Sunken Ruins to be able to recur artifacts. Um you were running four Wanda Vertebrae, four Codex Shredder, um, four Expedition Map and I believe uh, another Millrock in Ghoul Collars Bell, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was then running four Mindstone, and uh, I don't remember exactly what was in the other two-drop slot. Um, and then in the three-drop slot, there was Cloud Key and Semblance Anvil. Um, and then in the four-drop slot, you had your Mystic Forges and your Aether Flux Reservoirs. And I believe that was the... Bulk of the list. I don't think there was anything else super critical there. Gotcha. Um, so it was it was pretty mm-hmm. tight. There wasn't much of a plan B at all. Um, you could mill them out. Oh, uh, that's what was in the three drop slot. There was some ensnaring bridges, and so the hope oh, was nice. that maybe you could slow down aggro with the ensnaring bridges. Uh, and it was pretty easy to go empty, empty handed there. So, um, nice. so I played that a couple of times and i wanted a little bit better of a plan b so i decided to cut the aetherflux reservoirs um and i figured that metalwork colossus might be a little bit better uh, of a plan b you know um, mystic forge and the cost reducers make it free to cast pretty quickly um, and then to go with the Colossus, I decided to jam in some copies of Alter of Dementia, and so now you have this mono brown list or uh, mono silver for the Zoomers uh, <laughs> that is capable of a combo kill, but it's also capable of a beatdown plan with the Colossi. Um, Colossus kind of looks like a bad Hogak if you squint the right way, it has the the Graveyard Recursion and can be cast for free repeatedly if you've got the right board state to do so. And this deck can really set up that board state pretty easily. So the initial list started with this colorless plan. Um, Again, we were playing the Tron lands, a bunch of other colorless utility lands such as Inventor's Fair, Blast Zone, and Sunken Ruin. And uh, as a way to clear the top of the deck, uh, I was still running those mill rocks. Um, they were really good for ensuring that you would get to continue your combo turn, um, and the additional abilities on some of them to you know bring a card back from the graveyard or whatnot was relevant. Um, So they were not bad, but I kind of wanted to be able to take more cards to hand so that uh, I could store them in hand, which is just a little bit safer than storing cards in your graveyard a lot of times. Um, And so I swapped the Millrocks for Chromatic Stars and Chromatic Spheres, and... uh, Those would still clear the top of the deck for me, but for things like Semblance Anvil, which want you to exile a card from hand, it enabled you to bounce something off the top of your library, and then, uh, so, you know, maybe you cast your Semblance Anvil off of the Mystic Forge, but you don't have a card in hand, now you can bounce a card to hand that you can exile with the Semblance Anvil and get that cost reduction. so after adding the chromatics, I figured why not take another page out of the Green Tron playbook and add in some ancient stirrings. The one mana cantrip is basically as good as it gets in modern and uh, you know, digging five card five cards deep is pretty insane. That that card is so good. Uh, it's good that it only hits colorless stuff because otherwise it would be banned by now.
2: It's just amazing to think about. But, you know, I guess back in the day it was right faithless looting mox opal ancient stirrings like those were your pillars of modern we're not now still stirrings barely sees any play it's kind of crazy to think about
1: they really have been banned yeah yeah yep
2: crazy you forget sometimes so ancient stirrings at one point was so good i mean i definitely buy it it used to be in it
1: used to be in titan like, that's, that was, like, it, it hits lands. The cards it hit lands? The I know it hits lands because they're colorless, it. but it's, like, it's so, yeah. Oh, my God. Weird. <laughs> yeah,
0: and in in this particular list, it could find everything but another copy of Stirrings, which was huge. I mean, just, yes, I would like to pick from the top five cards of my deck. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, along with that, we this also opened up the... Um, the sideboard to cards such as Wilt and Veil of Summer, which uh, turns out pretty, pretty good cards. Um, and so at this point, the deck was feeling uh, pretty good. We uh, we added in some Karn the Great Creators uh, to tutor for missing combo pieces, cut down a little bit on the number of cost reducers, um, and, you know, were able to move some of the combo pieces to the side to uh, accommodate these Karns. Um, and it was starting to get pretty consistent with a turn five or turn six combo uh but again five and six is just too slow sometimes four is even too slow so uh you know that was that was the big problem the control and mid-range mid-range matchup though was solid uh i played a lot against esper i played against some jund i played against um um Mardu Stoneblade and other decks that had a lot of removal and discard spells, and pretty much every time it just did not matter. Uh, with the Inventor's Fairs, with the ability to uh, recur things with Sunken Ruins, it I was just Test. able to recur those Mystic Forges and go off almost every time. And when you're playing a bunch of bad cards, your opponent is really not sure what to counter or what to remove or what to bounce right like the obvious targets <laughs> are the mystic forges but like do you do you take a cloud key do you take a semblance Anvil? rogue deck benefits let's go oh yeah oh yeah and then even if they exile something something gets forced and negation do you just play your karn and then take it out of exile and they're like left you know? Like, what's going on? Karn is
2: messed up. Just straight up. Karn is a fucked up magic card. I hate that card. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, 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 I don't know why it's one of the few things in Magic where it wishes like an actual wish. And by actual wish, I mean wishes before they, quote, f- uh, fix them, change them. Before before they ent- ent- invented the exile zone. Because uh-huh. uh, Karn being able to actually get things from exile as well as outside of the game is just fantastic. It's so That's much nuts. fun. It's nuts. It's so much fun um yeah definitely definitely good
0: so in an effort to improve the aggro matchup i started looking for things that could either gum up the board or provide some relevant bodies early and provide some late game value instead of a green splash for stirrings i decided to try a blue splash for psy master thopterist and urza My intuition was that psy could produce a boatload of tokens give you an alternate win con he could make use of artifacts on board even through an opposing stony silence and was a decent enough blocker against early aggro that he might buy us the turn or two we need to go off Urzra, on the other hand could provide an alternate uh, plan to tron so he's his own big mana engine and could also produce um, another relevant body unfortunately with the lack of colored mana Um, This list was only running for Islands. Urza was often super difficult to cast or could clog up the top of the deck with Mystic Forge. So I shaved from 4 to 3 to eventually 2 before eventually dropping him. Double blue pips was just too big of an ask. Sai on the other hand actually proved to be an okay include and I think that there is probably a build out there that wants him in either the main or the side. Uh, the other benefits of going blue are good sideboard co- uh, sideboard card options such as Aethergust or Cyclonic Rift, which is pretty easy to overload in this deck. Um, mystical it. Dispute Woo! is also, yeah. yeah, it's sweet. Just like turn four, oh,
1: goodbye board. Um, Mid combo too sometimes. Yeah. Uh huh. But, uh-huh. but 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 <laughs> um, I don't know if you have the the notes for it here, but it does sound as if um, there is an idea to instead of using Psy, try using monastery, uh, mentor, which yep. I haven't seen that you have any results or testing with yet. But I assume that's forthcoming if. Uh,
0: yeah, it's still on the table. Something I would like to look into. I thought about it, so I'm gonna get to this in a little bit. I did try a white splash for some other cards, and at the same time, was like, "Oh, I should jam Mentor in the sideboard," and then I just never tested it. So. <laughs>
1: yeah, but I think Mentor in the main deck might be, might, might be kind of legit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think with, so. with the with a couple flex slots that we have, and then using mm-hmm. the sideboard for for other uh, other other white cards that might be useful. Anyway,
0: yeah. Um, so yeah, the the. The big thing that I discovered through all of this was that a turn three Psy was still just too slow against aggro, and uh, you know this deck was capable of doing a two four jump, right? So turn one you're playing one of your rocks. Turn two you're hopefully playing a mind stone, or at this point we had adopted some number of talismans to produce colored mana, um, and then Every turn point three Chalice
1: is also a reasonable choice
0: depending on yes. how your list looks. Yep, yeah. uh, and so at this point. You know we're pretty consistently able to do a 2 4 skip, which is great if you want to play a Mystic Forge or a Karn, uh, but it's not really good enough against a lot of aggro lists. Um, you know, in the best case, you're still hitting your turn 3 Tron, um, and then going off, but yeah, you, you could just be dead by then. So uh, given the difficulties of casting Urza with the Tron lands, I decided to try a Tronless build. Um, you know, as I had said before, Urza is his own big mana engine, and so I, I kind of had this intuition that maybe Tron was a little bit of a trap, right? We're spending turn one playing our expedition map, turn two doing nothing so that we can crack the map, turn three getting to Tron. But if we don't have all the other right pieces in hand, we're not really going to get that combo turn that we're looking for. Um, and I figured that if we got rid of that, got rid of some of that nonsense, we at least had a, you know, we could have a solid Urza shell so we could fit some more creatures in maybe and, and do some other things that might, uh, you know, slow the opponent down and buy us those extra turns we needed. Uh, so I went into Simic for Gilded Goose. Um, hoping that the Goose as a blocker and as a ramp piece could get us an Urza a little bit earlier, or a Psy on turn 2. This build did prove to be a lot more resilient to aggro. Uh, Goose was a good blocker, getting a turn 3 Urza was pretty powerful, Um, life gain with the food tokens was great, turn 2 Psy was alright. Unfortunately, what it gained against aggro, it lost against control. <laughs> I found myself getting just completely shut down by control whereas I don't, you know, I had been doing great against control up until then. Um I regularly found myself unable to stick a Nerza or if it did land, it just got removed and with no big mana engine available, the deck felt pretty mopey. Ultimately, I didn't spend a whole lot of time on that build but it may be worth revisiting and, you know, you know really thinking about um, sort of reconstructing from the ground up.
1: Yeah. Cause that was, was that the potential version, which we were going to play um, Psy and um, possibly um, time sieve? Uh,
0: not that version. I don't think, I think we wanted to look at um, a blue black. This was, this was actually pretty early. This was like maybe mid, mid two weeks ago ish Mm. um i i basically had uh, a lot of ideas that i just kind of shotgun tested real quick uh in quick succession and um yeah i didn't i didn't stay too long on that one i do still like the idea of time and inside though i think that's sweet
1: yeah time and psi is interesting but um when we get to the later points of this, I think we, 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 when, we, when we boil this down to its sort of essence of what powerful interaction we found, I think that'd be a tricky one. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, moving on to Stoneforge Mystic and Rhydeane! Look at that! Yes. yes. Uh,
0: so, seeing how much the, the control and mid-range plan suffered with the Simic version, I went back to Tron. I started trying to think of other ways to slow down aggro. I added uh, modern staple card Flare Husk, which is a one-mana living weapon, um, just to see if it would slow down the aggro matchup enough.
1: So and it does the, what
0: now? Okay, so <laughs> it's it is a 1-1? One one it uh-huh. It's a 1-1, one one,
1: right? It's a germ, and the equipment gives plus 1, plus 1.
0: That is correct. That is correct. Oh, my God. Um, but the, the, <laughs> the thought here was we want to be reducing the cost of the Metalwork Colossus, so we don't really yeah, want to yeah, be yeah. playing creatures, yeah, uh, yeah. But we do need creatures, and so I figured, why not flare husk? Let's give it a try. Why um, not
1: flare husk? The question that no one has ever asked before. Someone's <laughs> no gotta ask it. In limited, yeah. I'm sure they did. Flare husk was a legit card in limited.
0: Well, it turns out it was sometimes relevant. Um, sometimes it wasn't. It didn't actually seem to to move the needle a whole lot in either direction. Uh, along with the husk I looked at things like elixir of immortality and other life gain options, um, nothing really quite clicked as the right choice though, and it became increasingly apparent that what we wanted was the ability to do the 1-3 skip, uh, like I was saying earlier, instead of the 2-4 skip. But- Uh, Not wanting to drop the Tron lands and not really having a good option unless we play uh, Mana Dork to do the 1-3 skip, I pressed on. And in the name of science, I decided to try splashing into white for Stoneforge, Mystic, and uh, Redain.
2: I I like this idea of splashing for Stoneforge, especially in what an aggro-heavy meta this is. You know, I think Stoneforge is very high premium right now. This was a good call on your part. Good iterating. Especially if you pick
1: picking easily cast Batterskull, too, right? You're well, not going to be um, mm-hmm. sitting until turn seven, you know, trying to find your fifth land.
0: Yep, that's exactly right. And so that was that was the intuition there, is that Stoneforge gets me Batterskull, which I can often cast on turn three naturally. Uh, and if not, I can hopefully drop it with the Stoneforge on turn three. And it turns out a 4-4 Vigilance Lifelinker is going to slow down aggro a good deal. Oh, yeah. Um, and Redain... One of the new cards from Koudheim turned out to be absolutely incredible. Uh, She's a 2 3 flyer for three and a backside of a four mana artifact. It's three and a white. Um, The front side, Snowlands, enter the battlefield tapped. Uh, Sorry, Snowlands, your opponent's control, enter the battlefield tapped. And non creature spells, CMC 4 or greater, cost two more to cast. That side was relevant against control matchups. I actually had my opponent allow me to resolve one, allow me to resolve Redain, and then try to cryptic me. I see them tap their four mana, and then there's just a long pause, (laughs) and then the mana untaps, and then it taps again, and there's a pause, and then there's just a bunch of asterisks in chat, (laughs) followed by a concede.
2: Justice. True justice.
0: Uh, The shield side of Redain, that artifact, is also pretty spicy. Uh, It reduces um, damage from each source by one, which is absolutely incredible against some of these combos, and it also taxes things that target you or permanents you control by one. And both of those are incredibly relevant. Uh, So when you're playing Tron, you're going to face down some land hate. Well, If they want to cast their Molten Rain, it's now going to be four mana. If they want to use a Ghost Quarter, it's going to cost them another mana. Things like that actually ended up being pretty relevant. Um, And reducing damage by one was sweet against some of the Burn and Prowess decks, and it was particularly sweet against the Heliod combo, because they land their Ballista, and then they go to try and ping you to death, (laughs) and they have to not only pay one, but it doesn't even deal any damage amazing yeah, the, the so shield that was is
1: overall quite quite good the the problem that i've had with the shield is that if i want to have the shield i have to play three copies of riding yeah um, or more and I, I don't think that card is overall worth it in an open meta but it definitely the shield side is insane i mean it's crazy how much work that does and i think it's it's a it's a good choice for any deck that's like actually incentivized to play like a two three flyer so like D and T is the is absolutely the right kind of deck for this one. I'm not sure about this deck, but it is that that shield side, when you run into aggro and you have the shield, it's it is the nuts. <laughs> oh
0: yeah. Uh, and it was great because because the backside is an artifact, we could still cast it with Mystic Forge. And so it was just mm. a really solid include in this list because it didn't mm. actually slow you down. Wow.
1: Okay. That 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 was something I hadn't thought of. So that that is a that is a reasonable point
0: oh wait oh you can do that it works
2: like that or you can cast the back it does uh
1: because yeah because so mystic forge the way it works is that it says you could play an artifact or colorless spell off the top of your library when you put riding on the stack as the shield side yep um the game will check after you've put the spell on the stack and it goes do you have permission to play this spell in the way that you've attempted to play it gotcha so and this is this is true for everything. So um, l- literally, the way literally the way magic works in paper is you could grab a card out of your graveyard, any card, any spell, at any time, and just put it on the stack and say, "I want to cast this spell," and then the game will go, "Okay, where did that come from? Graveyard. Are you allowed to cast that spell? Uh, no. Okay, then put it back. <laughs> like, <laughs> put it down. Um, which is obviously unintuitive." for everyone who's ever thought about magic. But this is technically the way the rules work, is that you can just take anything from any zone at any point and just move it to another zone and then say, is this okay? And the game goes, I don't know, is there a rule that says it is? And uh, usually the answer is no. Um, But for things like flashback, that's actually how they work is that you take it out of the, the graveyard in order to be able to uh, cast it. Uh, same with retrace and same, same with et cetera. So uh, a lot of the time, these kind of questions uh, are solved by, you put it onto the stack, and then you check, is that legal? Um, so this is, this is why this works. That's good to know. Mm-hmm but in in magic online it's weird because things light up right it's like it it tells you before you do it if it's legal love it which is one of those funny things of like in this case you'd probably be able to look at the card in the the revealed top of your deck zone and be like it's white like it's it's lit up around the sides i could play this (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh you can only play the one side
0: anyway So the unfortunate thing about this particular list is that while Stoneforge Mystic grabbing a batter skull was great, it's really hard to have two turns of of white pips consistently. Um, Hmm. So the first white pip is usually pretty easy. You either have a chromatic effect or uh, you can land a talisman or something. And in the case of talismans or basics, obviously, you're going to get your batter skull down on turn three. in the case of a chromatic you crack your chromatic and you've now cast your stone forge you get your batter skull and you have no way to put it on the battlefield so that kind of sucked um batter skull itself great was very happy with batter skull Uh, i actually tried a couple of lists where i cut the stone forges and kept the batter skulls around i think that's actually a pretty reasonable plan just because you can naturally cast it enough um but yeah, Stoneforge ended up being just a little bit too clunky, unfortunately.
2: Makes you wish you had Astrolabe, doesn't it? That's a good way to get white pips Ugh. twice in a row. Yeah, man. Well,
0: you'd if still this need list to find a Astrolabe. snow mana,
1: and there's no good snow talisman. There's Cold that's Steel true. Heart, but it's not a good card. How dare yeah. you talk that way <laughs> yeah. about
2: my Cold Steel Heart.
1: Listen, it's not your Cold Steel Heart. It's the general Cold Steel Hearts of the world. Your Cold Steel Heart is wonderful.
2: Look, I'm just saying, it does help you with your uh, Creeping Chill. No, Dead, dead of Winter.
1: Uh, it, it, it would it would do, yes. But uh, it does not cantrip, so I, <laughs> I don't know if I can get <laughs> it. And it comes into play tap, my god. We only accept um, value cards here. That's right. Um... But yeah, so and and I, I, I did um I did run into one of your decks that was running a single Batterskull. I don't know if that is something that we'd actually be interested in, but but Batterskull in general seems like a, a relevant version for this deck. So I think I think we're burying the lead a bit because d- d- did you finally come to some kind of successful version of this deck? Well, So, I was still tooling around with white splashes when
0: Mordekaiser, uh, you know, former guest host from the Enigmatic Incarnation episode, episode 12b, give it a listen, uh, popped in and was just like, guys, why are you not running Scrap Trawler? And we were all kind of like, well, you know, he's a creature and it doesn't reduce the cost of metalwork, Colossus. And he's like, but guys, the value. (laughs) And we're like, all right. So Mordekaiser comes in and starts massaging things around a little bit, adds scrap trawlers. It's like, alright, well, if we got scrap trawlers, we need more ways to sacrifice artifacts. What do we have? Like, what artifacts will self-sacrifice? And so I did a little scryfall search, and I was like, "Uh, grinding station. Why are we not running grinding station? That's way better than altar of dementia. And so the next thing you know, we have a list here that has scrap trawlers and grinding station, and uh, I'm kind of surprised we hadn't seen it sooner especially given that you're in the middle of your grinding breach bender here yeah yeah i i'm a little ashamed i'm a little ashamed um but the grinding station and the scrap trawler proved to be most excellent uh the two of those pair together exceptionally well and enable you to just have some crazy value lines you can mill yourself early to look for any of the combo pieces you need and then pick them up later with the scrap trawler as long as it sticks around uh, it isn't quite as fast as The Altar of Dementia, but it's just way more resilient and, and you know, just gives you so many more lines and so many more available plays. Uh, This also ended up speeding up the kill turn by about one turn and so the deck is starting to feel a lot more real. Mord's version included two copies of Urza in the main and all of the blue sideboard cards that I had mentioned earlier. He immediately jumped into a league with the deck and took it to a 3-2 finish and then he took it through a second league after I had gone to bed and I think was like 4am for him. Dude just did not sleep and then powered out a 2-3 a 2-3 finish but said that he lost in the final match when chromatic star bugged out and stopped drawing cards So we'll call that a virtual 3-2 So that is successful in my book quite successful Definitely. a lot more successful than the zero fives that I had uh, Taken my versions to um, And so here we are uh, I've continued to massage the deck a bit um, Zach here has picked up the deck and uh, Taken it through a league and made some changes, offered up some uh, some Chalice of the Voids as a main deck option, which I really like. Um, and we've started making some tweaks, like adding Ichor Wellsprings and uh, Mirror Retriever, which offers a, a, a turn 3 kill, actually, so you can get a turn 3 combo with the Mirror Retriever. Um, and i think there's still a lot of ideas out here to test i'm actually inclined to try red for goblin engineer being able to entomb an artifact that you need and uh, an additional way to recur artifacts particularly in the face of um, stony silence or opposing karns seems really useful Um, and i actually still believe that there is a viable urza build out there that doesn't run the tron lands the tron lands have been like at times the best part of the deck and at times the worst part of the deck sometimes just going for Tron feels like you're spinning your wheels like cool I have seven mana and now I need to top deck something relevant but because you're playing so much fluff you end up just dying right like green Tron is good because all of their top decks are basically bangers uh this deck does not have that luxury so
1: yeah so this is around the time where I joined in the deck um I I think I finished streaming or something at one point and i i just went to check out our discord and there were four people in in the live room one of whom was sharing their screen which is mordekaiser and i pop in and you guys are on you know the seventh or eighth or twelfth iteration of this deck with mordekaiser playing in the league and and just wrapping that up and i actually ended up being like They've gone deep down rabbit hole and I'm <laughs> going to leave them alone for now. And I'll come back to this when uh, when, when I have more time to collect my thoughts on it. So I started looking at this deck and when I was uh, mentioned earlier, the, the core concept here, I think, is our KCI-like combo, um, which is um, Scrap Trawler, Metalwork Colossus, uh, and, uh, grinding station. And then, um, any artifact that costs four or more in this case, mystic forge is already in the deck. So it's perfect. Um, plus the mystic forge engine is a powerful part of this deck. So all the versions I have tested so far run a maximum of about four, uh, colored cards in the deck that are not artifacts and, uh, everything else is mono Brown, mono gray, um, and so with 19 lands and four expedition maps, your Mystic Forge is insane. Uh, if you've ever ever played Dice Factory, um, this has a similar vibe where you resolve Mystic Forge and basically until you run out of mana, you can keep playing the top of your library, except that between Sem- Semblance Anvil and Cloud Key, uh, normally you can play almost anything that comes off the top of your library. And the more of those that you find, the easier that becomes. Uh, you can use... Uh, Expedition maps to shuffle your library. You can use chromatic stars and spheres to clear the top of your library um, to just keep going. So I've had some insane combo turns, and I've been able to uh, combo off with some of these versions of this deck as early as turn three, uh, turn two, mind stone, turn three, semblance anvil, and tron and and just totally go off and and kill my opponent either by resolving um, multiple scrap trawlers plus multiple metalwork colossi and they just scoop to it, or actually grinding them out. Um, Usually the early part of these combo turns um, will involve grinding station yourself to clear the top of your library over and over and over again while you're mystic forging through your deck until you assemble the combo and then you point your grinding station at the opponent and grind them out.
0: So it occurs to me that we never actually specified what the combo is here. Correct.
1: Um, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Take it away, Brian.
0: All right. So the, the basic idea is that uh, with the grinding station, a scrap trawler, a cost reducer, uh, Mystic Forge, and a Metalwork Colossus, and, and granted, this sounds like a lot. But a lot. Really a lot of pieces. Is, it is not for this but, deck. This is actually it comes together. It really easy. does. Yeah. It, yeah. It's,
1: it's shocking.
0: And and this is this is the the thing that you're aiming for, but it is by far not the only combo line. Uh, I've been playing a lot of this deck, and the number of times where I've just like figured out that I was in the middle of an infinite loop while I was <laughs> exactly it happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the combo is: you have your scrap trawler, you have your forge, you have your cost reducer, and your War colossus. You sacrifice the colossus to your grinding station. That puts a scrap trawler trigger on the stack that says you can take back anything that is 11 CMC or less. Uh, with that trigger on the stack, you can scrap. Uh, you can now sacrifice the scrap trawler and the the mystic forge to the metalwork colossus, which is now in your graveyard, and that will trigger scrap trawler again twice. And basically, you use the trigger from the. The first trigger to get back your Mystic Forge, you use the Mystic Forge Scrap Trawler trigger to get back the Scrap Trawler, and then the Scrap Trawler trigger on itself to get back a two or one CMC artifact. So now you have your three combo pieces back in hand. Because of your cost reducers, you can hopefully play them for free, and then you just do that until your opponent is milled out. Um, You actually don't even have to do it with the Metalwork Colossus trigger scrap trawler trigger on the stack you can actually just do it in sequence the same way um i like doing it all with the stuff on the stack because it feels way cooler <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never with...
1: done it that way because the metalwork colossus uh trigger can't target the mystic forge so the actual way that i end up doing it usually is that i'll i'll, I'll grind the colossus and pick up something else and then um to pick up or when I sacrifice to pick up the Colossus, I'll sack the Mystic Forge and the Scrap Trawler. Um and, and go off with that. And one of the interesting things about this is that yes, that infinite loop is very click intensive and does not net you a huge amount of grinds. So if you're trying to mill your opponent out doing only that, yes it's gonna suck. However, um because you can pick up uh there there is a, a gap there where you get to pick up a free two or one CMC artifact with the Scrap Trawler trigger. What happens most of the time is while you're comboing, you just pick up a two drop, play it for free because your Semblance Anvil plus um, multiple cloud keys are going to cost reduce that. You grind them with that. They mill three. Then that picks up a one drop. You pick that one up, grind them with that one. And then you've got a free two triggers mid mid combo, mid sequence, and with Mystic Forge and etc. You don't actually have to um, play super tight where you're just losing using exactly the looped cards. You can use a lot of other things as chaff for your grinding station as you're going through this. Um, important note is you need to cost reduce by at least four on a pure artifact because you have to replay your Mystic Forge for free. So this is either two Semblance Anvils, uh, one Semblance Anvil and two Cloud Keys, or uh, newcomer that I think I was the one who introduced to the main deck is uh, Ugin, the Ineffable. Um, from Etron fame, I really really like this card in the deck because it gives you main deck uh, removal, uh, chump blockers, and a, a cost reduction of two, which is a, a big thing that you need. Um, so the general way that this deck plays out a lot of the time is you you're looking for early Tron if you can because that makes it a lot easier for you to combo off on turn three or four um so if you're going to go turn one expedition map turn two crack expedition map turn three tron that's a great place to start um and then on turn three uh, a fairly ideal play is Samlin Samville imprint uh, an artifact and then spend two mana on a mystic forge now the top of your library is uh, visible to you, and you can play anything that is an artifact 2cmc or less for free, and you can keep doing that until you brick, until you hit a land or something that's too expensive. You can use the Mystic Forge to clear it, um, and so and you can carry onwards. Uh, any of your mana rocks that cost two, like a uh, mind stone or a talisman or a uh, Everflowing Chalice, those are not only free, but they produce a mana, so that you go up in mana on those. Um, and you just keep going that way. Hopefully, at some point, you hit a Grinding Station, and the reason that the Grinding Station is, is important is worth reiterating, is that once Grinding Station is in play, every time you play an artifact, you can see the next card on top of your library, and you get an untap on grind, Grinding Station, which means you can use Grinding Station to clear the top of your library. Um, uh, Dice Factory used to do this with Paradox Engine plus um, uh, the Mystic Forge itself, So you get to do this uh, in a sort of, uh, you get to kind of circumvent having to play a five mana artifact by using grinding station as both a win condition and an engine card for yourself. Plus now you're grinding into your graveyard. This makes it easier to find a metalwork Colossus and metalwork Colossus goes into your graveyard and gives you value from the graveyard to sacrifice artifacts in play to get an artifact back out. Hopefully at some point along this way, you find a scrap trawler and then you're just totally in business. there is a video on my YouTube of me playing a league of this. So if you want to see it in action, you can see it there, um, sometimes failing. So the the difficult thing for us is tuning and tweaking all the different flex spots uh, around this engine. But I think it's fair to say that, that the core concept of playing Mystic Forge alongside Semblance Anvil, Cloud Key, or um, Ugin the Ineffable with Grinding Station and cheap artifacts and... Did I mention scrap trawler? God, there's so many moving <laughs> pieces. <laughs> is is the core powerful synergy we've identified, uh, Doctor? What's your prognosis? Yeah, well, I don't know. This scrap trawler card seems like it's a lot of loop.
2: You know, very loopy card. Very seems like it might be a little busted.
1: Uh, r- right, and I didn't even mention mirror retriever. Mirror retriever, oh resemblance anvil. God. As as Brian already said, I haven't even tried that yet. So um, <laughs> we, we 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 really, I mean. Uh Dr. Combo, you're a scientist. Um do you do you guys occasionally just feel totally in over your head where you're like, Wow, we found this new branch of research that is um gonna take so many uh man hours that it's gonna take the next several generations of people to try to solve this. Oh yeah.
2: You know, I mean there's some things that like we can't even you know like for instance everyone Everyone is super big on the microbiome right now. You hear, oh, probiotics. You know, just like your microbiomes, your second brain. You know, it can like can your microbiome? Oh, your
1: gut bacteria. Yeah,
2: exactly. Your, thank you. Your gut bacteria. Can your gut bacteria be the reason why you get depressed sometimes, etc.? And so this is kind of like the new hot field. I think that down the road, the new like one of the huge biggest fields in the sciences is going to be the circadian rhythm. So you know, like you're, mm. you go to bed at night, you wake up in the morning, like sleep, etc these, it's all controlled. There's actually genes in your cell, and every cell has these genes that produce proteins on the cyclical pattern, and that cyclical pattern helps you to determine, like, helps your body sync up. But if you think about how do you study these proteins on, like, the cellular level, it's insane. Like, we just don't have the tools for it. Even the best tools we have right now are, like, some pretty sketchy mice, which props to the people who made them. But, like, (laughs) the fact that, you know, I mean, it's kind of, like, You know, the first the first thing you do with the stone is you make a wheel, right? Just like there's so many more things you can do, but you have to make the wheel first, and then you just make a very boring wheel that you then uh, suit up. So yeah, so this happens all the time where you just get to this like I don't even know how we start here. And sometimes you know you gotta outsource and delegate. Never a bad strategy.
0: So what I just heard is that we need mice so that we can figure out how scrap trawler works.
2: I mean, sometimes I feel like you know, like. Like you said, just you're playing this deck, and all of a sudden you find yourself in an infinite combo, and you don't know how you got there. Oh yeah, like that's you know that, yeah, I w- that's kind of just what we have to do.
0: I was playing a community league match, um, a Faithless Brewing community league match the other night, and uh, I started going off, and I thought I was just making value plays, and my opponents like, is this deterministic? And I was like, uh, oh yeah. Nope, actually it is. I need to start turning this grinding station on you now. It turns out just a single mirror retriever and a high CMC artifact can just let you go down the chain, right? So you you know sacrifice something at 3 CMC to get back your mirror retriever. You sacrifice the mirror retriever to get back something 3 CMC. And if you have your cost reducer, you just can keep doing that. Um, so even a single mirror retriever can like really really change things uh well still requires the scrap trawler out but you know there's just it it opens up a ton of lines um and and i yeah i found myself going to time a lot uh this has been a a very complex deck to play it requires a lot of clicks but i will say i've gotten a lot faster at clicking (laughs) Uh, a lot more certain of myself so that's good um
1: yeah it's um the the big break for me was realizing it's okay to let your grinding station be tapped that was yeah. just just yield to that trigger. Just let it be tapped. Don't you don't have to maximize the cycle in online play most of the time. Every time you play an artifact, it untaps. Then you tap it to grind something. Yep. And yes, you can respond to that trigger by grinding the thing, but you have to click through another trigger that way. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Just let it be tapped. Um, yeah. And and you'll 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 be fine, especially with uh with uh, this this deck. So
0: so. Uh, I, I do want to say I actually I played some games um, over the last couple of days uh, since I wrote my notes here for the show with an Urza build. It is very Urza heavy. Uh, it leans a lot less on the Metalwork Colossus, which is still in the list, but uh, it doesn't place um, Mystic Forge and the deck actually feels pretty workable it feels a lot like a Wurza, you know variant that just isn't running thopter sword combo um i will link to uh what i've been playing and working on i don't think it's quite there but urza with grinding station is absolutely insane for producing mana um and you know with all of these other recursive pieces in scrap trawler i actually think that there is a very viable very real urza build here Um, it does a lot better against aggro although as i had mentioned before it is a little bit worse against control and uh, mid-range but that said um, you know sometimes it's worth sort of giving up uh, some equity in some matchups to gain equity in others and uh that may be the case here as well so, my final thoughts on the deck for right now is that there are just some super cool interactions here that are independently powerful, and combining them is, is worthwhile. Um, and I think that we should just keep pushing on this and exploring. Mystic Forge is absolutely busted when it has an opportunity to go off, and I'm kind of surprised it hasn't seen a bit more play in Modern. Um, Metalwork Colossus is a lot better than I initially gave it credit for. Uh, When it isn't acting as a combo piece with Scrap Trawler, I think that just being a cheap 10-10 is good enough. I mean, there have been a number of occasions where, you know, my opponent drops their Death Shadow or whatever, I drop a Metalwork Colossus, there's a a pause, and then they scoop. (laughs) And, you know, overall, yeah, Shadow's going to get a little bit bigger, but I just needed a turn or two to find the combo pieces I need to go off, and I think they recognize that. And then last, as we've been saying, Scrap Trawler is a bonkers card. I know it was instrumental in KCI, and that comes as no surprise. Um, I think this card is just waiting to be busted. So uh, big shout-out to everybody in the Discord that contributed ideas or participated in the hype train. Uh, Watched me stream, uh, watched Mord stream, watched Zach stream. Uh, It's been really fun working on a deck collectively like this, and I I really want to do a lot more of it.
2: You've definitely convinced me I'm going to break Scrap Trawler. Hell yeah. That is...
1: And or Mystic Forge.
2: Uh, yeah, really, like, snap, like, Trawler, Unearth, Goblin Engineer, Uh, you know, like, also another thing that I've been really curious about uh, is Goblin Engineer with a Wishlaw Talisman, just as a sack. Mm. And Wishlaw Talisman also has good synergy with the Grinding Station, because you can sacrifice it with the mm-hmm. activation trigger on the stack. These are things that I've kind of been... Either too busy or too cowardly uh, or too uncreative. Take your pick. So, but we will, you know, you, you, once again, Brian, you're very good at inspiring me. Uh, And
0: well, you, you ship your bad lists over to me. I'll take the zero fives and uh, we'll go from there.
2: Okay. uh, Can I, hold on, can I interest you in Goblin Engineer and Tomb Bolus' Citadel and then Trash for Treasure?
1: Yes. Absolutely. So one of the things that, that I would say as um, the, the reason I brought up the concept earlier is that we sort of un- unlocked an entire branch of research here is that this shell, the core that I mentioned there of cards is incredibly powerful. But not only can you stretch into one color, but as Jiggy was mentioning, I see no reason why you couldn't stretch into two colors. I see no reason why you couldn't play probably up to eight Colored spells that are not artifacts in the deck. Um, Jiggy was mentioning uh, Wishclaw Talisman. That's playable off of Mystic Forge, and it gives you a free shuffle, even though it's black. Um, so you 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 could pr- play it. Um, you could play the black red talisman as your. Uh, one of your two drops so that you have access to the um, welder and, or not the welder, the engineer and the um, wishlaw talisman. Um, personally, one of the directions I'm going to take it is to play a quote, no bad cards version where I play uh, Karn the great creator and Ugin. So mm. essentially swapping the Eldrazi side of Eldrazi Tron for this combo plan going a little bit leaner on lands um, because the, the version that I streamed was mono Brown, uh, I, I played Chalice of the Void, which was... It was fine, but I still lost to decks that H- Chalice was hosing heavily. So maybe Karn is just the better direction to go with that. Mm, um, I like this idea. But, yeah, I mean, uh, just just to open this up to, to the people and whatever Brian's next idea is that I can hear him chomping at the bit for, um, it... I mean, it's just crazy to try to figure out which direction is going to be the right one for this so for me i'm going to try mono gray, no bad cards and i i haven't played with psy yet so i want to try playing with psy even though i'm not super hopeful about it um i want to try playing with monastery mentor because m- maybe that's uh, even better um and definitely i want to see how how does how does the fizzle rate feel with eight Um, non-castable cards in your deck versus just four, because four has been great for me. Four has never been problematic. Um, 19 lands approximately plus four uh, colored spells or or spells that you can't cast of Mystic Forge is fine. But I think when you start going higher than that, you're going to feel it. Um, But I'm not sure, Um, especially with more shuffle effects, especially if you're playing up to four grinding stations, especially if you're playing Mirror Retriever, especially like there's so many ways to um, investigate this. Um, so I'm I'm super super excited. Uh, Brian, what is your idea? All right,
0: so you may not even need Mystic Forge if you have Wishclaw Talisman because Wishclaw Talisman can find you a piece you need, be sacrificed to Grinding Station, then if you can recur it with Scrap Trawler, why do you need a Mystic Forge? Mystic Forge is there to find you the pieces that you need, but if you can just tutor them out of your own deck by recurring your your Wishclaw Talisman over and over,
1: you may not even need it. Mm. Like oh oh so um w- one of the yeah you're right but you need to keep generating black mana yes. even with cost reducers yep. so that's 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 a tricky hurdle although you could do that in theory by having the wish claw pick up a chromatic star or chromatic sphere <laughs> when when you sack it <laughs> yep. pick that up play it for free sack it for black mana which is uh, mana neutral mm-hmm. um so and and here's the thing online. I think this deck, some of the lines that we're going to come up with are going to be distinctly problematic. Because Here's the thing. Um, This deck actually has as built, uh, in the colorless version that I just played, also generates infinite mana, and also, um, with a single Walking Ballista in there, which I've been a huge fan of, generates infinite pings. Um, Now, the Walking Ballista is a very important backup plan, in my opinion, because um, you get Uh, if you have a a cost reduction of at least two in play, then um, no matter which loop you're using at which point, um, whenever you sack a one-mana artifact, you can pick up the Ballista, play it for free, and ping something, which means you have infinite damage. Um, And it was one of those things that I had a a small epiphany, is that I realized, you know, um, a lot of the time we are actually trying to win with this deck having one drops to pick up with two drops to grind your opponent multiple times off of a single loop is really useful. I wonder if I can play anything for zero that is useful. Um, Case in point, I was playing um, Chalice of the Void and Everflowing Chalice and a Walking Ballista. And these ended up being super, super useful in a whole bunch of ways. But on top of that, that Walking Ballista gives you an out for uh, your opponent being on Big Eldrazi. So... um, because, of course, the big Eldrazi makes it impossible to mill them out. So, But, but what I'm saying is a lot, we may come to the conclusion that uh, there are versions of this deck that are infinitely playable in paper, but may be very, very difficult to execute online just because of how many clicks each iteration takes. Um, that, that said, I'm not saying to count anything out. I'm just saying uh, with the uh, upcoming return to Paper Magic, uh, this may be one where people are free to develop all sorts of crazy loops. Uh, Jiggy, you got any crazy loops? Uh, well,
2: I just want to say, so you know, just listening to this whole conversation, it sounds like you pretty much just said this is indisputably the next KCI, right? Like, I definitely, I, I feel like I heard <laughs> that correctly. I just want to double check.
1: I'm not saying that's going to be the title of the episode, um because I already came up with a much better punny one potentially. But you know, that might be the 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 Twitter, the tweet. All right. We might tweet. All right.
2: That. I'm definitely, you know, like. Honestly, if we can just Someone
1: gets Sam Black on this.
2: If we can just make it so confusing, or we can just say like, oh you know, this is definitely <laughs> the next big KCI, we just haven't figured it out yet.
1: <laughs> I think we'd be able to recruit some brain power that way, potentially. Oh I mean I bet mean,
2: I bet, it's not I bet wrong. if we can trophy with one of these things, I bet Canister would play it. He loves this this kind of stuff.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think if we just send it to him you might. He 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 uh, he responds to my tweets sometimes.
2: Yeah, he's he's played two of our decks, which is pretty exciting.
1: I think I think Jiggy actually might be canister. I'm not sure. That would be sweet. You know, I've never seen him, Most him people on haven't seen him. Most people haven't seen him on webcam. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To to uh, prove it one way or the other. This well is... I've <laughs> never seen them both on webcam at the same time. So True.
2: Go. Yeah, you know, I'll I will I will take my secrets to the grave.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, there's been a cat on this podcast audibly, and we all know <laughs> Canister has a cat. So mm. it could be from Jiggy's microphone. We've never done the, the, the research to source that. <laughs> We've never no, triangulated uh, the signal. Well, that's right. I can tell you with the cat on my
0: lap right now, it, it was my cat. He has a very loud purr, and he was getting right up on
1: the microphone, actually, as he is just, he's about to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we will make sure to include some of the lists that we have tested, uh, the link to the YouTube video of the league that I've played and perhaps some of our speculative brews for the coming time. But I would say to people, stay tuned to the Serum Visions uh, Twitter. The Serum Visions Discord is free to join if you'd like to. So you can find that in the uh, episode description of your podcast player. Or if you visit my um, Twitch channel, you can get a link to join our Discord there. If you are all interested in either developing or observing uh, the uh, ticket fire and the manic explosions... That have happened um, with all the different versions of this deck that are going to come out, uh, Jiggy, you're going to go with uh, some uh, Wishclaw Talisman Goblin Engineer, perhaps. Yeah,
2: you know, I'm thinking just like how, if we wanted to, you know, like put all the busted cards in a vacuum together, all not always a bad idea, not always a good idea, but not always a bad idea. You know, Scrap Trawler, Unearth Goblin Engineer, Underworld Breach, probably start like maybe Wishclaw Talisman, start with that shell. And then just, you know, I mean, Breach is busted. Scrap Trawler is busted. There's probably some loops in there. You know, I found a couple funny loops with Breach. You just kind of start breaching. you're like, oh, wait, this is going to work. Uh, So, you know, I think I'm excited, you know, like put a whole bunch of loopy cards together and you might find some broken loops.
1: And Brian, do you have any particular version that you're uh, enthused to try out right now? I know you were just espousing on uh, one, but is there anything else? Uh, You
0: know, I think... there's still there's so much to test um i'm probably going to continue pushing on some urza builds here just to see if we can get it into a state where it's got you know a a reasonable control matchup and a much better aggro matchup because that that has still been the thing that's like you know if you die to prowess on turn three it doesn't matter if you had your tron lands so um, i mean how's
2: the recursion you know like I find Collective Brutality to be amazing, especially in synergy with unearth and those sorts of things. Like, if you're just taking your stuff out of your graveyard anyways, Collective Brutality for a Black Splash could be something to consider. It's definitely... Yeah, that's actually a great idea. It's not... I found it's not normally sufficient uh, if you want to beat, like, you know, like, one double-escalated cobrew is not normal. Like, sometimes it'll get you there, but it's not always, you know, guaranteed. But it's definitely a huge help and it's step one if you want to beat... If I want to beat Aggro. (laughs) Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. We actually haven't tried a splash for black yet, um, so that's that's definitely an avenue, avenue to pursue. Yo, but, uh, do you want to be the yeah.
2: ultimate non-coward, Brian? I got some synergy for you.
0: All right, all right, let's hear. Bob
2: it. and Mel work colossus. <laughs> colossus.
0: All right,
1: two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs>
2: And Death Shadow. I, while you're at it, I
1: will not be. I will not be registering that combination of cards. <laughs> I can tell you that. But that's only because I think um, Bob is severely underpowered in this deck. I think. Why would you draw one extra card when you could just be playing um, uh, any additional way to find Mystic Forge? But that's of course um, with my obsession with the uh, the incredible high of playing. Um, uh, mystic forge decks with as low of a uh, fizzle count as possible so uh, i will not be trying that one <laughs>
0: well uh, you know we we might be able to get away with substituting the bolus's citadel for the mystic forge so i don't know well there's there's a lot of moving pieces just gotta see what what works
2: yeah i'm I'm excited you know i'm I'm inspired again like, it'll be nice i'm excited to be able to put down Lazav for a little bit hope they print something busted and then move on to other busted things
0: yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, Zach, why don't you uh, take us out here?
1: Yes, I believe it's time for a little bit of Bumps and Dumps. I think someone's excited to uh, start us off here uh, with your beautiful California uh, weather and soil.
0: Oh, yeah. So bumps to planting trees. uh this past weekend i planted a pomegranate tree a mandarin orange tree and a bartlett pear tree in my front yard and i'm hoping maybe this weekend or next weekend to plant a fig tree and an avocado
1: tree nice uh, so just like nothing but the hipsterist fruits and vegetables for you i mean they're all
0: which, s- all things that do well here that's
1: no no and, and how could you not i mean they're all phenomenal like i'm just looking at those like drooling that's just unbelievable fake tree i
0: I am incredibly lucky i already have a pretty mature plum tree that just overproduces um i have a lemon tree uh an apple tree and uh last year i planted a fruit salad tree that has nectarine white peach yellow peach and apricot
1: on it and what what miracle of science is this yeah right it's just a crazy graft
2: yeah those those are the cool ones there was a professor in syracuse uh where did my undergrad who actually like he kind of came up with and he popularized those kind of trees i think he has a whole but it's cool because you know you think about them and you're like okay it's great because you put all these different we graft these different branches together and now you get like a tree with all these stone fruits but the original intent of like grafting all those trees together was just uh you know, kind of like art where the blossoms, each are different colors in a different time. So depending where you graph ah. the trees, you, where you graph the branches and in what order, you can get like these beautiful different almost firework displays as the trees go on, which is mm. amazing. And he also just put them in random yeah, places. That, that sounds amazing. He's like, he's like, I put them in a whole bunch of random places because I want people to stumble on them and not know what the hell they're doing.
1: Yeah, like uh, That's awesome. ra- random acts of kindness, random acts of uh, of biological beauty. Yes, exactly. How about you, Zach? What do you got? Oh, me? Uh, well, I mean, I, I got to give bumps to all of your plant life. Amazing. Um, quick dumps to dirt because I-, I hate dirt. It's coarse and gritty and it gets everywhere. Um, but actually, I just hated working in the garden when I was young because you had to get your hands dirty. I don't know why we didn't have gardening gloves, you know? It seems like a, <laughs> a cheap fix for my problem here. They're pretty nice. Whatever um yeah they are nice wouldn't they they would, wouldn't they be um i don't know the the weather's getting warmer um i feel like you know people are going to be able to enjoy outdoor spaces more um you know the the as, as i mentioned before but I, I can't not mention again i mean the vaccine rollout is is seeming incredibly wide and and way faster or maybe just time has gone kind of funny um a big bumps to uh, all of the people who have been turning up to my stream and listening to the podcast and watching my YouTube content. Uh, you know, it's, I don't know why it's taking off right now in the way it is. Maybe modern's just really popular, which I think is true. It's going through a little popularity resurgence with uh, all sorts of more decks becoming viable, but its uh, it's great. There's just like, you know, even though we're all dying on turn three. Uh, it's, it's like we're all dying on turn three together, right? <laughs> and then you sometimes get those miracle games. Like last night, I was at one life against uh, a Blue Red Prowess deck with the Stoneforge Mystic in play, my mana untapped and Batterskull in hand. And they knew it. They knew that Batterskull was there and they just conceded. Woo, they couldn't make it happen. Justice. I don't know why they conceded because they could have waited for a top deck or something. Like it wasn't over, but they were just like, you know what? You got this you made it you survived so um and uh and uh, you know what I, i've had a surprising amount of success with uh one toughness creatures in modern despite the lava dart meta um turns out a high enough density of them and they can't deal with everything every game um even on mulligans to five on uh what is it omnath stone blade i was playing last night we managed to mull to five and uh, have a win so sometimes it all just comes together. So don't don't give up on hope, folks. Don't give up on hope.
2: Yeah, so I just got a second huge bumps to also planting trees. Uh, you know, my goal is to have a small organic farm and just kind of chill on it with my family and be fairly self-sufficient and sustainable. Uh, <laughs> I've definitely chosen a strange roundabout way to get there. But it's still the overall goal in mind. The overall goal in mind uh, so I definitely, you know, I'm happy to hear that it brings you quite joy too. I uh, got to give bumps to Prince Harry and Meghan Markle just for bringing attention to the absurdity. That is the British monarchy. Uh, if we have any British monarchy fans listening to the podcast, I'm not remotely sorry. Like this has been a long overdue reckoning <laughs> and like I, I mean, you know, you they just treated her like absolute shit. Like this is, this is all, this is all comeuppance and I kind of hope the monarchy falls. Uh, once again, sorry, not sorry. Uh, also huge bumps to the vaccine. You know, I finally get to play this, uh, uh, play in person with as i mentioned before a faithless brewing family member ill sick nasty we're gonna go to mox boarding house uh, you know probably even have a beer sit down don't know what he's gonna be on he always has some some sweet list maybe he'll be on temp maybe he'll be on is it giant breach you know maybe he'll be on some like fun mardu uh unearthed nonsense so it'll, it'll be some good games
1: maybe he'll really get you and be on a Kinnan deck
2: yeah i know good. i mean he's we've, we've taught talked before so we'll see but anyways i'm very excited for it it'll be a lot of fun
1: I literally have a stack of cards here that is uh, my Kinnons that I bought like six months ago, <laughs> still haven't been played with, um, Trinket Mages, Springleaf Drums, um, and uh, Gilded Goose and Sonic Creation, Akarn the Great Creator, and Stoneforge Mystic that have not yet seen the light of day, and uh, the reckoning is coming, and it feels feels real good. Except so,
2: that we no longer have our good buddy Earl.
1: I know, And astrolabe, right? You know. It, it's it's actually crazy to think of um some of the crazy like all the adventures, all the decks that have come and gone um without paper play being here. Oh yeah, no, there he my is. extended art uro. Mine, mine is yeah, mine's here somewhere. Although it, it turns out that um, I had my uh, stack of um, German Modern Horizons cards that I got myself a box of Modern Horizons for my uh, 30th birthday last year. And it's really crazy to look through the stack and be like, you know, there were a bunch of cards I was excited for in the beginning, and I'm not anymore. Um, there are other cards where it's like, I didn't care about Lavadart at all when it got printed. Here's my three German Lavadarts. <laughs> I, I didn't think these were going to be anything. You know, when Modern Horizons came out, was anyone talking about how much Lavadart mattered? No. People were excited about Pillage. People were, uh, oh, oh, Ephemerate. Where was this card? It took like six months for this to be popular. It's a common, you
0: know? Solid card, too. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Everyone was focused on the goblins, focused on the Urza combo, you know, Um, focused on how slowly but surely snow became, you know, absolutely insane. But, uh we couldn't see the we couldn't see the forest for the trees. <laughs> or, uh, I guess the other way around.
0: Let's uh, let's see what we can come up with for next time.
2: Yeah, we'll break the format. You know, new KCI. Let's go.
1: Yeah, we got the new KCI. We got the new Hogak.
2: We're gonna break it. Woo! Wreck it, Ralph.
1: Thanks for listening to episode fourteen of the Serum Visions podcast. If you like what we do and want to get in touch with us, you can find us at Twitter.com slash SerumVisionsMTG, email us at SerumVisionsPod at gmail.com, or join us on Discord at the link in the episode description of your podcast player or on SerumVisions.Podbean.com.
0: Tire fire.